it's infrastructure week again. <laughs> That's back, huh? Mm-hmm. Except this time it's been outsourced to Domino's Pizza. Mm-hmm. <laughs> because cause the government couldn't get it done for the past four. I, I think in football it's called a false start. Um, so now Domino's is taking it upon themselves to fix uh, our aging roads and and the whatnot. They continue to be on the cutting edge of kind of ridiculous and borderline like dumb advertising, but also kind of like you're like, eh, that's actually kind of smart. This seems like something I would have said on the show before, but that is exactly how I see them as well. They do these what seem to be on the face of them sort of just sort of PR stunts. Mm-hmm. But then when you look at them a little closer, there's, you know, this isn't a Chipotle queso situation like there's actually something you know worthwhile here yeah i mean i think this is this one probably airs on the side of like on the spectrum or the continuity line it's it's closer to the dumb part or the like the strictly pr stunt part like i don't think this i don't think uh domino's pizza uh randomly choosing cities to fix their potholes is is a long-term infrastructure plan but i think it's a smart pr stunt and it's actually it's actually kind of neat and interesting because they they've had a bunch of a bunch of these where they have the again I we've talked about it multiple times on the show but I don't ever remember if we've gotten to the bottom of it like is that DXP van that has like the the oven built into it is that actually real or is that just a a thing they use in commercials I think there was at the very least a pilot being done with so the like six of them nationwide or something right yeah sounds right. It's like uh, Tesla Roadsters, you know. Uh huh. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So yeah, so th- this was this was this was interesting. So people can go to pavingforpizza uh, dot com if they want to check this out. One other thing, I actually don't think we've talked about on the show about them is they. Um, let me let me Google this. I think they're called hotspots. Yeah, Domino's hotspots, where if like you can just be in a park or something or someplace that doesn't have a fixed address. And coupled with a smartphone, you can get Domino's delivered to you. So you want to know the funniest part about that? They don't deliver to my new home, but they do deliver to random parks. Well, that that just means that you're outside the delivery range of a, of a Domino's franchise. No, I know, but it's just, I was already upset that they didn't deliver to the house, but now the fact that they deliver to these random locations and still don't deliver to my house it's it's now even more upsetting okay we're, we're gonna we're gonna back out of the math on this equation let's 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 let me piece a couple things together so how before you moved how frequently were you ordering dominoes well actually that was an issue with the old apartment as well is it also mm-hmm. was not in a Domino's delivery zone <laughs> and i i failed to put a Domino's delivery contingency on our offer Oh, so you, you made a bad deal. Uh-huh. Mm-hmm. Oh, you, you, I think that's called not doing your due diligence. Right. Yeah. yeah you, we <clears throat> we probably could have gotten, you know, in retrospect, I'm thinking at least ten dollars to $15,000 off the price of the house. Which would be enough to start your own Domino's franchise. Exactly. Mm-hmm. That's what you built the shed for. <laughs> <laughs> it's about as hot as a pizza oven in there. So, yeah, that would make sense. <laughs> <laughs> oh man it's funny it's funny because it's true mm-hmm, mm-hmm. 
No, I, I've tried to let my apartment air out a little bit, but it's still like 85 degrees here. Yeah, it's, it's very, it's very warm. Yeah, that's, that's the thing. We, whenever people always talk up Maroon, but we, we always, uh, sucker people in by not telling them it's, it's, a it's, a like a Breville oven here, six months out of the year. And this is, you know, I don't think this is any sort of original insight and it's, it's very much inside baseball, but you know, as someone who now works in San Francisco and lives outside of San Francisco, <laughs> there's just this daily, although the I mean, four, it's actually 40 degree temperature swing. Yeah. It's, it's actually been pretty nice in the city this week, but I can definitely foresee some weeks, particularly in July and August where, where yeah, it's about, you know, 59, 60 degrees in mm -hmm, San Francisco mm -hmm, and come mm -hmm, home and it's about mm -hmm, 87. <laughs> it's the best. Because you always you always hear you always hear the BS about the microclimates, and then like in Rincon Hill, like you you see you see like it's half foggy, and like it's like it's like is it raining? Is it is it misty? And then you go over the bridge, and and it's back up to eighty five. Mm hmm. <sighs> you think you think this is what people tune in for? You think they've been waiting the extra week post WWDC to to hear us talk about stuff like this? I think they do. I think they want to know which one of the three Californias we're going to live in. Uh-huh. Oh, oh, yeah. Okay. That could be. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. We should apologize maybe first for the lack of a lack of a show last week. Uh, we were not at WWDC, but in the vicinity of WWDC. Yeah, WWDC Heights. <laughs> right. Uh, we got, well, let's go to the, the talk show and Relay FM's event. Both, both of which I thought were were very good. I actually particularly thought the Relay FM event was great. Yeah, because I, I it had a lot of good parts of it. It, um, it had uh, extra Stephen Hackett, which I really appreciate. I appreciated the uh, vintage Mac uh, time challenge. Like it's all very very good. And particularly because uh, people, if people don't know, Stephen Hackett is somebody who does a lot of shows on Relay, and also is a huge um, vintage Mac fan. And he had uh, somebody made up a joke about um, like what sh uh, what uh, device he was using to read show notes or his his notes off of, and he was like, "Oh yeah, my Mac is in the back doing real work." And I, it was stuff like that that I greatly appreciate. <laughs> yeah, I don't regularly listen to any show that he's on, so I wasn't super plugged into him being on the PC side of the PC versus iPad debate. But Ooh, I, yeah, I, I found that to be very. Can, uh, can I put it? Can I? Can I pause you right there? Sure. <laughs> you refer to a Mac as a PC. Um. Yeah. I mean, I guess I. 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 Yeah. I guess I did. Hmm. Okay. That's super interesting. Right, well, well, I mean, I. We'll I grew up. That. Yeah, I grew up a Windows guy, so it's you know. Yeah, I, don't, I. When I make that distinction, I usually say desktop computing, which also, which I think is actually probably worse, or is less descriptive. But yeah, well, I'm, like, you know, I'm I'm starting to slip in like that's something like an old person would do, like what I just did. Ooh, okay. <laughs> this came up earlier today. Do you ever interact with like older folks and they will refer to anything that's not Windows as an Apple? Hmm. Which is a very old person thing to do, or which is a very 1980s thing to do, because there was there was either IBM or there was Apple. This is a very e-machines type thing to do, which which long time long time listeners know what I'm talking about. There, never obsolete, <laughs> huh? No, I, I can't say I've heard that, but I, mm. I mean, particularly in light of 
marzipan perhaps it's not all that wrong <laughs> oh we're the little birdies wrong um yeah i'm surprised at how accurate that his reporting actually was excluding the um the editorializing or the whole like you know the, the stuff that bloomberg puts around german's original reporting yeah the marzipan thing was kind of spot on and a lot of people didn't want to believe it and a lot of people are trying to reframe what actually happened but well yeah and i and i you know i don't i didn't see this thought anywhere leading up to the event but it's so painfully obvious in retrospect where even though this wasn't going to be ready this year of course apple had to come out and announce it this year not only because they i think they wanted to sort of dissipate some of the anxiety around this with all the rumors that have been out there but also because you know they were putting a handful of apps in mojave or mojave as you would say and <laughs> and you know they it much better for apple to to get out ahead of the story than have people start downloading you know mojave and and start picking that stuff apart and figure it out on their own I have an inappropriate political joke that I'm going to spare people, but I will say that I think they could have, like, I mean, they certainly could have held off. Like, had the German report not come out, I assume Apple could have waited a year to, like, because I don't think the stocks app and Apple News making their way to OS X is critical or or had to happen this year. So I think if they weren't going to pre-announce this um, hybrid development layer that kind of coalesces ui kit and app kit i i don't think they would have actually included those apps had there not been a um a a leak that had a, a decent amount of um like credence to it that made people nervous about maybe the the combining of the two platforms i don't think i agree with that i i think i i believe them when they say that their approach to this project has been they wanted to get it in a place where they could use it themselves and then sort of, you know, the what's what's the phrase? Do you, do you dog food yourself or whatever? Dog fooding, yeah. Yeah. Um, well, but I mean... Cause I, I, I believe that. So what what was the timeline that they, that they stated for um, <laughs> the, the sneak peek technology, as a, a Jaws Weak said? Yeah, Project Sneak Peek. I think they, I think they just year. said next... You know, they, they said next year. They said... Mm. You know, we're coming out with a handful of apps in Mojave or Mojave again, as you would say. Um, but you know, this is going to be available to you, developers, next year. I think that's what they said on stage. Okay, and yeah, we'll see. So we'll, we'll get to that when we talked about the WWDC thing. Um, so I have two quick things before we get into follow up. And sorry, we, we got derailed before we got into the. So what? The sorry, remind me what what's what's the name of this segment? Pre follow up. Um, this is just, um, this is just real life. This okay. Is... <laughs> okay. 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 Uh-huh. Real, uh, real life trademark. Got hmm? it. Re- re- we'll, we'll, we'll trademark that. Real life. That's yeah, the opening Again, this, this is the amuse-bouche. Mm, oh, okay. Actually, no, I like that better. Um, <laughs> did, did you know that, uh, TA.co is owned by Taco Bell? <laughs> I <laughs> of didn't. Course. Of course it is. <laughs> Oh, so did you have a chance to steal a taco? No, I didn't have a chance. I think that's the such a silly promotion. Like I who who goes to this? Who's who motivated by a $2 free taco? 
like I assume the whole point is like you're giving away a two dollar thing because you're you're going to build a basket to a te- like well, that's that's kind of businessy. Sorry, you know, to, to get people to buy more than they what they came in for. But like that's they've been doing this whole either like it, it's and it's generally I I think this is the first year I've ever noticed it be tied in with basketball. But for the past I think like five years for um, the World Series they'll always have like steal a base, steal a taco. I I don't. Is is that worth the advertising? I, apparently it is. Yeah, I, I think so. No, sorry, I'm looking at their website, and apparently they have a taco that has a shell made out of folded chicken. Yes, yeah, so they 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 brought this back the the naked chicken taco. <laughs> this was something they FDA investigation. No, they they had this out. Man, I guess this was. I want to say it was like around the Super Bowl, not this year, but last year. It it was either a Super Bowl commercial or I don't know. I think it was something sometime around then, and they they brought it out, and it was kind of yeah. It was like the you know their biggest launch since like the Doritos Taco kind of thing. Mm-hmm. And yeah, we we went out and tried it um, when it first came out, and it 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 exceeded expectations. Expectations were fairly low. <laughs> low were they? Uh-huh. Higher than Singapore Summit expectations or. <laughs> Um, about, about on par with Singapore. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. We actually didn't sign, um, an empty document at the end though. I thought it was a very comprehensive document. Mm-hmm. No, did you, yeah, see, we did you see the transcript of the Pompeo interview? Oh, yeah. Oh, man. <laughs> or I, I saw something too. Um, I guess Trump had given an interview on Air Force One on his way back. And at some point during the conversation, he brought up how he had been told during the campaign that he had talked to many parents of um, soldiers who were killed during the Korean War. And someone did the math on that and determined that the like minimum age of someone who could have been a parent at that time would have been like 101 years old today, but more likely been in like the 110, 115 year old range. Oh, hold on. The Korean War was like the mid fifties. So, and somebody could be 20, 1930, 19. Eh, okay. No, no, no. Parent. No, I know. Of someone fighting in the Korean War. Yeah. So, someone who was the 20, parent their parent. No, I think that's plausible. No, because somebody would have had to, like, the Korean War was early fifties. And they have a child at age 20. Oh, actually, no, that, that, that's yeah, mm-hmm, right. Mm-hmm. Okay. I'm a. Mm-hmm. I'm 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 missing a I'm, I didn't carry the two, right? Okay, let's let's get out of that. Yeah. Um, looking at ta.co, uh, party packs should not be listed here. There's nothing to, to party about at, at Taco Bell, and yeah, this 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 is kind of a mess. Let's let's get out of here. It's a little disappointing that ta.co just redirects to tacobell.com yeah it should be like the o.co coliseum that they hold they totally backtrack the name on right actually does overstock.com still only overstock.com does it redirect it no what does o.co do it redirects to overstock.com tacobell.com wants to know your location i block i I hate this this is happening this is so much more frequently now i there's a lot of websites that need to knock that crap off. Like every time I do a Google search on my phone, it wants to know my location. It's ridiculous. Mm, just, you got to use Firefox Focus for this. Previous yeah. special. Right. 
Taco Bell has vegetarian options. <laughs> <laughs> the the pintos and cheese looks very depressing. Uh, it's only dollar thirty nine though. Wild naked naked chicken chalupa. I Wait, think, where is I this? I don't recall. I don't know. It was just something that came across the main page here. I don't recall that from the first uh, naked chicken taco run. Wasn't there a thing with KFC, which is owned by the same company as Taco Bell, where it was a chicken sandwich whose outer bun was chicken? Wasn't that the the double stack or something? I don't know. Yeah, yeah there I'm, was something I'm, like that. I'm closing this tab. Okay. <laughs> uh, okay, let's real quick before we get into the this is not a technology program. We gotta we gotta rebrand this. We gotta figure we gotta change the name of this thing because we don't ever talk about T word stuff anymore, which I think is probably for the best. Uh let's talk basketball real quick. Yeah. So the war the Warriors swept the Cavs uh four games. Uh they uh they, they stole two games on the road. So I don't know if people ended up getting two tacos from Taco Bell. <laughs> um either way they got more than they bargained for. Um it was did you watch any of the games? I did. I watched game 1 in its entirety. Did not see game 2. Um you know, saw the end of game 3 that was with you. Um and then Oh, yeah. Saw most of game 4. Yeah, I'd say the definitely the second half of game 4. Tell me if I'm wrong. Was it is it kind of not depressing is the wrong word, but like when you're up by like 20 points in the third quarter, like I know it's still like sweeping a series against one of the best players in the NBA is, is, is a remarkable achievement. It just seems like it was less exciting because like it was one person trying to carry an entire team and it just, it, it became really non-competitive and it became obvious very clearly. I mean, you know, people are, or have been quick to complain about the Warriors specifically and how they're just so much better than most of the NBA. And there's some there's some truth to that. But, you know, remember, the series before the finals went seven games and had Chris Paul not gotten injured on Houston, I think there's a pretty good chance they would have beaten the Warriors. So, well, I, so I actually so think they the, would have won against a non-competitive team. Definitely. And that's and that gets exactly to the I think the the core issue with the NBA now is the discrepancy between the two conferences. I mean the Eastern the Eastern Conference has just been and it's not just been this season, it's been I mean, you know, I mean, it's been especially if, if you kind of take LeBron James out of the equation. I mean, the East has been bad for twenty years now. And it's, well, so, it's, so that's it's what, not even close. So that's what I'm going to ask about. Like, so like uh, judging from, I think what you called basketball Twitter TM, like the, the NBA in terms of like the way they do the, the, the playoffs, like the Eastern versus Western conference, like the Eastern conference has been competitive for, for a number of years. So like, what is the solution to that? Like, do they just go by like national standings? Like how do they, how do they fix the problem where the West has like the, the warriors have figured out a way to play I, I i from my research play the salary cap and try to like amass a really strong team but also in general like they're all the teams on the western conference are generally better than the eastern like how do they, how do they fix that well you know there there have been some calls to have the playoff seating so the you know 16 teams that make the playoffs be solely based on record and not based on conference so right now it's the top eight records from each conference that make it 
And so what happens every year is you look at, you know, the ninth, 10th, even sometimes 11th seeded team in the West, and you look at them and go, God, they could beat just about any team in the East. So what's the argument against not, like, what's the argument against making making it national? Ratings. I mean, it would be... They just think the East Coast would check out? Right. And this, like, the example I would go to there is actually not a basketball one, but um in baseball so the if 2002 i think was the year that the angels and giants played each other in the world series and it was like the lowest watched world series in i don't know 30 years or something because you had two you know not just west coast teams but like literally like two california teams and so yeah you had the entire you know eastern part of the country check out and that's you know especially for sports i guess tv in general that's really where the ratings numbers are so yeah, they can't, they can't, the NBA can't have 12 Western Conference teams in the playoffs. That would be a ratings nightmare. But they would have been from different Californias. <laughs> well, I mean, I don't, I don't know if the NBA has had time to consider that. And also uh, the Rally Monkey. That was the year of that, right? It was, uh-huh. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. And wasn't there that crazy game that went like 14 innings or something? Or am I misremembering? Or there was a game where it was just, hmm. I, I don't recall any extra inning games. There were certainly games that were close, particularly like games. Game? Hmm. Man, hmm. The, I, it's 15 years ago. Jeez. I just, I remember just bits and pieces. I mean, the, the parts that I remember are, so the Angels were down 3-2 in the series. They were down in the bottom of the seventh in game six. And then I think it was Scott Spezio hit this two or three run home run and put them up. And then they ended up winning that game. And then we, of course, went on to win game seven. I remember that, and then I also remember um, in game one, the Angels were up by a few runs, and it was the top of the ninth, and they had Troy Percival, who was their closer at the time, who just threw the ball, you know, 100 miles an hour every time, and it, Barry Bonds came up, and because there was nobody on base, and because they were up by a few runs, you know, they just pitched to him, whereas, you know, that was that was a time where, you know, Barry Bonds was getting walked like every other at-bat. And he just he hit this home run that just like no nobody's ever hit a ball that far in Angel Stadium. Like it just, it was just you know it was totally in Disneyland. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Like it was totally inconsequential to the game, but it, it it was just like oh my god. Well, it was the message, right? Yeah, I know I could just Google this. Was Mike Piazza on the on the Angels or was he on the Dodgers? He was on the Dodgers for a period of time. Okay. All right. And the last thing related to basketball, uh, I think I got this from Ben Thompson. Can you explain to me or clarify what is a soft salary cap or or what is the deal with allegedly like there's some manipulation of the salary cap where maybe the Warriors have amassed too many good players or something like that? Uh, well, yeah. Okay. It's sorry, concisely because that side makes me think it's complicated. It, it's, it's So every, each team in the NBA employs a staff of people whose sole job it is to ensure that the team is in compliance with the salary cap and to develop strategies going forward how to keep the team within the rules of the salary cap i mean it's it's really complicated but the part that you're asking about is this concept where in the nba there is a salary cap but you're allowed to go over that cap in certain situations so the most common situation where this is allowed is when you have what's called um, a player's bird rights. And this is named after Larry Bird, because I guess this rule came into effect around the time that he was playing. 
And what this means is that when a player's been playing for you for a certain period of years, you, you get his bird rights. And what that means is that when it comes time to sign a new contract, if that contract puts you technically over the cap, that's okay. So in other words, you couldn't just go sign a player off the street and, and put them over the cap, although there's situations where that's allowed too. There's mid-level exception and veterans minimum, and there's there's some other rules that, that are salaries that, again, allow you to go over the cap. But the, the reason that the Warriors are in kind of this unique position is because, you know, three of their star players, you know, Draymond, Clay, and Curry, those are all players that they drafted themselves and have developed. And so that gives them a, a pretty unique advantage where when they start signing, it was Curry this year, and then it's going to be Clay and Draymond over the next year or two. When they sign these massive contracts, the Warriors can you know, still sign them to those because of the fact that those numbers effectively don't count towards their cap since they're guys that they've had on the team for you know a certain number of years. Got it. So, it's, <clears throat> so it validates the strategy that the Warriors have had is trying to nurture talent early and try to keep retain the players. So therefore, it, it, yeah, I mean, so that, that, and that's actually, you know, that's why I, th- I actually get a little annoyed when people try to, to say that the Warriors have just kind of bought their way to championships. It's, it's actually, well, no, to- it's totally the, the took years. Exactly. Like it, it's been totally the opposite for the Warriors where the, the only reason they're in a, the position they are now, you know, the only reason that they were able to sign Kevin Durant is because of the fact that they developed so many of their own players. And so this is, you know, that's where like, you know, this is the, the the soft cap is what prevents teams from just going out and, you know, signing a bunch of free agents. So like, you know, if, if you have like an LA team or a New York team or a team that's got a lot of money, they can't just go out and, and spend a ton of money because, you know, if they go off and get a player off, you know, off free agency, then that number is going to count towards their cap. And so they can, you know, only do that up to a certain, certain amount. That's what prevents the LA Lakers from signing Jason Snell. Yeah, exactly. Right. It's funny because it's a show called Free Agents. <clears throat> Sorry, just explaining the joke. <laughs> okay. Uh let's all right, thirty minutes in. Let's 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 get to follow up. Let's do it. Uh <clears throat> scooters. We just cannot get away from these scooters. So so WWDC, uh so it was in San Jose this year, and I sent you a photo like a month ago when I was in San Jose uh, making making a run to get a certain thing. And I was like, oh, my God, like th- these bird scooters are here. Like I, I wouldn't have thought they would have made it down to Sharks territory, but they totally did. And then I don't know if – well, because it hmm. – do you know if San Jose usually gets stuff like this early? Like whenever there's a thing like Uber or um, – like any like uh, thing that requires a lot of people on the ground or a lot of like resources, is San Jose usually one of the first ones, or isn't it usually like New York or Seattle or something? I kind of assume that San Jose maybe not on the same tier as like L.A., San Francisco, and New York, but pretty close. Hmm. Like I think so if you, if, you, if you list like the top ten cities that techie type companies would target first, I would think San Jose would be on that list. Yeah, that's fair. Like, but I feel like I don't know if they thought like you know there's gonna be a big developers conference down here, so let's let's try to get a bunch of people on our side. But it feels like 
there was an outsized influence in a lot of like mindshare captured during this week for the pro scooter movement. Yeah, I think it's a lot of people traveling in from out of the area who have heard about these things in the news and are curious. Mm-hmm. And 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 you get you have an event that centralizes a lot of people from around the country who would have uh, have influence or at least uh, opinions about this. I don't know. I I, th- I think that's kind of curious, or at least, the, or maybe just uh, in an in an accidental, opportunistic way that this was a really uh, fortunate event for these companies that are um, getting a decent amount of PR. And I think because it's a weird thing. So Mike Isaac, uh, a reporter for the New York Times, who's been a very important, influential reporter for the for the um, uh, Uber news and, and story of the, of the past couple of years. He has taken a very early and negative uh, slant to to most things scooter uh, because they, they are a nuisance in San Francisco. And in San Francisco, most young people are terrible and, and care about nothing but themselves. Do you dispute that? Um, there are some good people out there, but there are many who fit the description you just described, yes. Very diplomatic. Um and and I think those people, especially those people who are uh, uh, of who I described, would probably ride a scooter that goes 15 miles an hour on the sidewalk and just kind of be a prick to everybody else. Like I think that's something that also happens in San Francisco a lot. So I think the issue, like so, so Isaac takes issue with kind of two things. Well, he, he probably like three things. Is one just uh, overnight they were just the streets of San Francisco were littered by some random company from LA. Just choosing to put a bunch of GPS and, and cellular enabled scooters on on the streets uh, without any type of like docking area, and they're just literally clogging up streets, which are supposed to be like a public right of way. And then also just that most people who use them are are kind of kind of assholes. And then the, like the third problem is that it's well, maybe this is more up for debate. It's that like these companies working within the confines of the system is generally very hard. Because cities are going to resist new technologies, and they're going to like just like in the same way that all the scooters had to be removed, and San Francisco is allowing these companies to apply for I think what will be like a total of fifteen hundred permits to have scooters on the streets once they the the permitting process goes through. Like working in with uh, within like the the letter of the law is is tricky. So Isaac is of the position that like. They kind of ha- had to do this, and that's and that's what makes this whole kind of process like very very assholeish, is that they had to just like l- just brute force it and and just throw a bunch of crap on the streets to get people to kind of like it, so that it may be a viable business model in the future. Well, you know what's kind of funny is I actually think that a city like San Francisco would have potentially been pretty open to the idea had the scooter companies come to them and sort of gone about their rollout in a way that, you know, it wasn't the Ford bike system at the time, but whatever those were branded as before they became Ford Go Bikes. Bay Area Bikes, sure. Right. Um, and then same with um, Jump Bikes. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, it, it's actually kind of, I don't know, it's it's kind of strange to me that they just didn't go that route. That's actually a good point, just because because uh, like I mean the SFMTA and and the city in general is trying to, because like that's always been the common knock around San Francisco, which is that it's dense enough where it's not really car friendly, 
or, or open to just like wide roads and kind of like the suburbia, kind of like Orange County model. But it's also not like Tokyo dense where like it obviates the need for cars. So like San Francisco is actually an area where this actually might be something that's good, but it, they went about it in the wrong way. But actually that's a fair point where I think maybe had this been done in a place where there are maybe like corrals or someplace where like they actually should go, where it's not seen as just like litter, that might've actually been something that would have been productive. Right. Well, and, and the other aspect of this too, and you know, many people kind of made the point that, well, you know, they took the Uber approach where they kind of just had to, you know, ask for forgiveness instead of permission. And I, I don't think this situation was like Uber because, you know, unlike the Uber situation where Uber was looking to displace a, you know, very entrenched system, that being, you know, the taxi medallion system, there wasn't the equivalent of that with scooters. I don't, there wouldn't have been some big lobbying effort to try to prevent these things from being launched, I don't think. Well, I mean, they, they were worried about being uh, bullied by Big Muni. <laughs> I mean, I guess, but... No, but like, but no, that's entirely true. Where it, it's, yeah, like, hmm... Because I assume the San Francisco taxi culture is is not it's like it's it's not New York where the whole taxi like and there was uh, it all as it always comes back to there was a good episode of the Daily where there was a an in depth thing on kind of the rise and fall of the value of a taxi medallion in New York City, but like it, it's a different culture here. But also, yeah, that, that's totally true. Where you have a system where taxis are insanely heavily regulated. And there's been a system where that adds costs to people who choose to like make that their profession. And then you have some company that's just given every Joe Schmo with a Toyota Corolla the ability to displace their their living where it, it's just tricky. Whereas, whereas this does not do that at all. It's, it's a new means of transportation. It's sort of competing with um, bike share programs, but not not really. Or I mean, I, like, I think the people who would use them are different. Well, I think this program is much more supplementary than it is something that's trying to displace something. Mm -hmm. yeah. Like you're you don't you're not going to exclusively get around on a scooter. I mean, I, I'm sure there are there are some that that do, but in Portland, people get around get around on unicycles. So who, who even knows? Yeah, there you go. Um, so we we bring this up because um, are you familiar with the term FOMO? Fear of missing out. Yeah, so I have a story, uh, and you can see this in the document. Um, a, a scoop Ooh, the, from, the, the, from the, the document. It's, it's very uh, sounds very mysterious. Oh wait, do you, uh, maybe because you don't listen to ATP or, or Rectable? I, th I think that's kind of the universal parlance for what we're looking at for show notes. Mm. Uh, so Axios, Nate Silver's favorite news resource, is um, on June fifth. Which today is the thirteenth, so a week ago, a little over a week ago, uh, scoop, GV Google Ventures to lead two hundred fifty million round in scooter startup Lime, and then if we look at uh, there's another one which I don't have a link to, where there was I think it was like three weeks ago that Bird, uh, which I think is like the largest, like in in this example, like Bird is kind of the Uber, and uh, I think Lime is more of the Lyft in terms of market share and uh, position. Bird was raising, uh, I think, $100 million at a $1 billion valuation. And then fast forward, I think, literally two weeks, um, Bird is, is is raising an additional $200 million at a $2 billion valuation. So month over month, this, this uh, business of GPS-enabled 
scooters from China that you can buy on Alibaba for $600 is now a $200 billion business. I mean, which, which, it's, which it's is not this. kind of, but not really. I mean, I, hmm. I, I think, I think there, I think it's a really good idea. I mean, I've, I've shared that I, I had owned a scooter for my last, I don't know, six, seven months in San Francisco and had been using that to get to and from work. And it was great. I mean, it was, whoa, so, I've never heard of this. Really? Have I never mentioned this on the show? I'm pretty sure. I'm pretty sure I have. I know you had a motorcycle for a bit. Scooter. Oh, that was years ago. No, I, I had a very much like I was very much ahead of the curve on this. This was like <laughs> last September. I got this thing. You um, out hipstered bird. I did. Yeah, I did. And you know, I, I was responsible. I wore a helmet. I stayed in bike lanes. I did exactly what you were supposed to do, and it was a fantastic way of getting around. Sorry, mo- motorized. Yeah. Uh huh. Battery powered or or B- battery, yeah. Okay, so you uh, actually took it into your apartment and charged it up at night. Yeah, exactly. Hmm. Um, and it, yeah, I mean, it was awesome. It, you know, it, it took basically half the time, half the amount of time to get from my house to work and back than taking like either chariot or the bus. So you know, I I, I definitely see the utility in these. So I you know I I don't think it's I don't think it's entirely crazy that you know, there's a, there's a business to be had here. No, I, I don't disagree, but the whole, uh, they get banned by what is supposed to be tech utopia. And June is a, <laughs> um, like it's, it's like 19, it's like 1923. It's like the prohibition era. Like, like San Francisco is a dry County for scooters. So like in that month, month over month, the value of the business has literally doubled. Yeah, but I, I think I think most people recognize this is sort of just a you know a bump in the road, as you would say, and that this will eventually get resolved. But in a city of seven hundred thousand people, fifteen hundred scooters—if that becomes a valuable way to get around—I don't know. Like it, it just—it's—it's it's very interesting. And then let let's let's move on to the next. Um, bit of news which i appreciated if you if you if again if you if you aren't already following mike isaac on twitter it's it's kind of the best him and darth it's it's 80 percent of my joy in the day where uh on june 7th in response to the news uh uber wants to roll out scooters in san francisco he put i give up (laughs) because apparently so uber which did they acquire or was it just a large strategic investment in jump I think it started out as an investment, but then they just recently purchased them, right? I don't I don't know. I, th- sounds, I think I think that's, I think right. that's what happened, yeah. But yeah, again, Axios, uh, Uber wants to get into the scooter business in San Francisco and is submitting an application for the city's upcoming pilot program. The company confirmed on Thursday. Lyft has also applied. Uh, why it matters. Electric scooters are all the rage. Yeah, fucking, of course they are. Okay. Um, yeah, that's, that's a poor, poor guy, but he's, 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 he's busy working on his book. He is, which he jokingly said the other day that he's considering <laughs> just rewriting. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. He, he better have Bruna on the book jacket. I oh, yeah, I would hope so. Yeah. Or at least in the thank you section. Mm-hmm. Uh, so to, because we have this planned out perfectly, let's transition straight into Uber. So they are, um, they're going to spend a half billion dollars 
on an ad campaign to try to repair their image. So these were on during the NBA Finals. So I, I've seen a couple of these. Were they? Because I, I saw one during the NBA Finals, but it was just, it was the usual get your side hustle on ads. And I assumed that these would be different. Yeah, no, the, I'm pretty sure it was during the Finals that I saw this. There's, no, this was one of the, this is one of the ads as part of this campaign where it's their CEO whose name I'm not going to try to pronounce. I think, who, but you, you, you can pronounce his name, I think. Dara Khosraswahi. Yeah, there we go. Um, where he basically is just narrating the commercial, and it's it's just it's very bad. It's a very very bad commercial. Well, so it, so you you watch the finals. Is it worse than the Facebook apology ads? It's 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 on that same level. I think. I actually had one of those Facebook ads run, um, uh, before the uh, Han Solo movie. Like in theaters, like, you know, the theaters now, they, they run a handful of commercials, like before they run the trailers. So it's, it's like, it's like the ads before the ads. Because you can't have eight seconds that you're not being marketed to. <laughs> yeah. I, yeah. I, I know life of 2018. Yeah. Uh, they, they ran one of those Facebook ads and I, I had only seen shorter versions of them. This was a, a longer version. I, it might've been a full 60 second spot. Oh it's so it's so bad it's it's just hey but before the fake news we used to be here for the friends it's just it's so it's tone deaf it's completely bereft of any sort of actual concrete initiatives it did it's it's you know it's politician speak and it's just it's it's like the personification of Paul Ryan if he was an ad campaign. Totally. No, that's a great analogy. And uh, I'm just going to go first name here with Dara. He, because <laughs> again, I'm not not going to try to pronounce his last name. But, he, but you don't think he's evil, so he's not a, he's not an Elon Musk or a Mr. Musk situation. <laughs> uh-huh, exactly. Um, he's just, he. a lot of this ad campaign is about him, which I is ve- very odd. That that so, well that I get because he he has an interesting story and he like I think he's a boy I gotta care phrase this carefully he's probably a good person like because he he was a very successful CEO of Expedia he seems like somebody who's trying to fix a lot of Uber's problems which are not going to be fixed overnight because Travis and or sorry Travis Kalanick he's he's not a first name treatment um kind of. It, it had a very entrenched uh, garbage culture, gar- garbage fire culture at Uber. So I think I think he's working on it. So I uh, so I get that if you if you're gonna make an ad campaign to try to fix a, a, what was a, a really rough company that just flouted laws and and was just on the inside and out just terrible. I I think I don't know what what are you gonna do? Not don't don't make it about yourself though. Make it about the company. But what are they going to do? They're going to be like, <laughs> well, what is the ad supposed to say? That, oh, hey, we are providing all of these gig economy jobs that don't provide benefits that we will eventually replace with robots. Is well, that I mean, ad? that's... <laughs> is the, that's an honest ad. Am I supposed to do that? I mean, that's kind of the... I mean, there's, there's sort of underlying narratives with both Facebook and Uber. With Facebook, I think it's... They're trying to say that they can solve a problem that they can't actually solve. And with Uber, mm, I think Facebook can fix the problem. Mm, 
but not not in a way that they'd ever be willing to do i guess i think they are like okay so facebook is a different problem where i think they are willing to take the hit on revenue for a little while like the same reason they got rid of the trending news section where they like because do you do you still use facebook like i know you haven't deleted your account very very rarely but like once a week, I'll open the app, and they've they've changed it to the point where the the ad load has been dramatically reduced. They have, and and people can complain about this on both sides, but the um, amount of like linked content, like where your feed used to be clogged up by just like people just posting ran, random crap to like uh, here's a, here's my progress on Candy Crush, or here's the story from Entertainment Weekly, like any any stuff that's not actually from your friends has been like scaled way way back which people on the media side of things who who facebook kind of screwed into thinking oh yeah facebook is the only place where you can share your content because that's where all the eyeball eyeballs are like oh yeah they've they've totally screwed them on that but i think they can kind of fix that but the problem is that it's facebook and they're going to do that for only as long as they absolutely need to and then they're going to ratchet up the ad machine right back and keep using the data to to keep making money because like because when you have a captive audience of two billion people, why would you not? That's exactly what I mean. That, that's that's what I'm saying. It's it's a problem that they're not. Well, yeah, but but they could they can fake it. But well, okay, fine. But I'm I'm saying that they're not actually going to fix the problem, and that and that's what they're trying to. Well, but it's like it's like ads. the U.S. government. They just have to pretend they're doing it. Anyway, and then with Uber, you know, I, I <laughs> it's. Yeah, it's it's you know they're trying to paint themselves as like this kind of good for society type company, and I I'm just not sure I'm not sure that's who they are. So I, the, again, that's why that's why I said tone deaf earlier. Like it just it's yeah. it rings very hollow. I think they think that of themselves. Like I think they want to be that. That's a very I don't know. That's a very keyword bubble type mentality i think facebook on the on the inside is genuinely evil's the wrong word but uh, eternally problematic whereas i think uber or facebook Mm. as as you're famous for saying no as you're famous for saying facebook got out over their skis Yep, pizza french fry. Right. All right. Oh, did you know ta.co is on my taco? <laughs> I'm giving you I'm giving you a clean edit point where you can delete all of that. Is it Mojave or Mojave? I I can I can I interview can I call up Apple and ask I I want to know that was that was a really weird pronunciation of that thing for, and it wasn't just once it was it was the entire presentation. Well, but so the first handful of times that it was said, this was all by Craig. He Mojave. was pronouncing it Mojave, and I was sitting there watching the keynote thinking, oh my God, have I been saying <laughs> exactly. Mojave wrong my entire life? I mean, as a, as a native like California, California. I sh- yeah, I should be ashamed of myself. But then Tim comes back on stage and he says, well, f- first he also says Mojave, but then later he says Mojave. And then I think there were a couple of other points, I don't recall by whom, but Mojave was used, and I, I, I felt a little bit better thinking that okay, well maybe, maybe Craig was actually pronouncing it incorrectly. Yeah, and <laughs> everybody's from Orange County. Okay, <laughs> uh, I do. So I do. 
I just one little tangent about the name <laughs> real quick. I do really appreciate Craig's jokes about the marketing team when he, you know, announces the the name. Well, not the, not the marketing team, the crack marketing team. Right. But he he's made, I think if you like go back and look at it, he's probably made verbatim the same joke like the last three years in a row now, like word for word. And mm-hmm. he, he just, he needs to come up with something new. That's what I'm saying. Do you, um, I know Jason, uh, Snell, well, actually Jason, but people should know this. Jason Snell, like brought up the, the it's road trip thing. Did you catch that? Uh, I, I've caught that. Um, he mentioned it. I, I don't recall if it was on this, the six color secret subscriber podcast or where that was, but, or maybe it was on upgrade. I don't know. It was pretty good. Yeah. That was a funny demo. Yeah. I, I didn't really recall that. Oh, well, yeah. It, it was one of the times when they bring up a third party, but yeah, Utah road trip, uh, Utah road trip became its road trip. Mm. And Apple actually went through the trouble of editing it after the yeah, fact. That, I thought so, that was pretty funny. Yeah, that's like I mean that's 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 some Facebook stuff right there. <laughs> <laughs> so I I know you're kind of WWDC'd out, but like, is there is there some some stuff you want to talk about? Like uh, two or three highlights or you know takeaways, as you like to say. There there is, but we have to get through follow up. Oh god. I can't. This is not a show about T-word stuff anymore. You you know that. And also, we have to talk about your Sonos. Um. So it's a real quick, forty-five seconds. Tell me what happened to Brian Coangelo. Colant Colangelo. Coangelo. That that's a last name that that I'll take here. So he, you know, we we talked about this on the show a couple of weeks ago, where someone had tipped off the Ringer that there were these five Twitter, I think five or six Twitter accounts that were out there, which all seemed to be linked together, which were gossiping about the 76ers and reporting news on the 76ers. And this person told the ringer, hey, I, I think this account might be Brian Coangelo. And so the ringer did some investigative work around it and eventually contacted the 76ers organization at which point a couple of the Twitter accounts went dark, which seemed to confirm uh, the ringers and their initial tipster suspicion. That then kicked off an investigation by the team, which is kind of where we left off a couple of weeks ago. That investigation concluded the other day. And it turns out that it was actually uh, Coangelo's wife who had been running the Twitter accounts. And of course, people had pieced that together too by... Uh, trying to do like password resets on the account and it'll show you like the last couple of digits of your phone number and people noticed that it was the same last couple of digits for each account and then somehow people found out what her phone number was and found out it was the same last two digits but anyway i guess during the interview process as part of the investigation his wife admitted to running the accounts um and you know this all eventually led to uh, colangelo it being fired, resigning. I mean, I don't know exactly how you want to phrase it, but leaving the team, um, which, you know, that had to happen because many of the things being said, like we talked about a couple of weeks ago were private medical information and really, really negative things about some players. So there, there was just no way that he could have ever regained the trust of the team. So even if it wasn't him disseminating the information, the information originated from him. So he, you know, he had to go. Yeah, weird story. 
very weird story very very weird and just it doesn't make sense though why 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 would his wife do that so it's just it's so stupid it's it's just in the age that we live in you have to know that people are going to figure stuff like that out well you should just assume everything's public you should assume everything you do is basically happening on facebook and just how, how stupid is it to just want to anonymously bash players in the organization and tip off some of their medical information like like why do you feel the need to do that it's just it's so so strange very just very insecure yeah AT&T is, uh, has uh, gained revelator- regulatory approval to acquire Time Warner uh, against the wishes of the Trump administration and the Department of Justice, uh, which worried that there would be um, to create a concentration of uh, power and that, that would potentially jeopardize consumer safety. Uh, that, has, that has been denied, and it looks like the um, uh, merger will go ahead. Yeah, I I don't I don't really know what to say about this. This is all getting a little outside my area of expertise, but I guess I would say in general these mega mergers and the kind of seemingly increased frequency which they're happening seems to probably not be a good thing in the end. Like this seems to be something that we'll look back on 10 to 15 years from now and be like, "Yeah, that was probably a mistake." Yeah, yeah, they're not they're, they're definitely not divesting CNN in this deal. So um the one thing that I do find interesting that's related to this is that uh, like people like all the news reporting has been um related to oh this is going to set off a, a a chain reaction of mega mergers in, in the media space. But the one thing is and you can clarify this for me uh with respect to 21st Century Fox and uh the Disney acquisition, where I think they've offered fifty-one billion. Comcast is offering sixty sixty something billion for it, and there's now going to be allegedly a, a bidding war for uh, Fox's remaining assets. Like that, that that seems a little a little crazy, right? And I guess where these stories intersect is some on the Fox board have been concerned that a Comcast fox merger wouldn't be approved uh which is one of the reasons why maybe the um the disney acquisition looked a little better even though it's for less money but now in light of this ruling it seems like or at least comcast would want to make the argument that that seems less likely now well and also this is one of those things with where with business where i don't necessarily understand i'm just not like i'm, I'm not in the industry where i i don't know it's like when when do you get to choose who you think is the best strategic partner for you when there's a party who may not be the best partner offering the most money? Well, I think it ultimately comes down to a, a shareholder vote, right? Mm-hmm. But is is there an amount of money where they can be like, okay, even though Disney is the best home for these assets, uh, you, you can't scoff at the extra $10 billion in, in the interest of shareholders. We have to do this. Well, I mean, that's if your, you know, your shareholders would vote against your recommendation potentially, yeah, if if the money difference was big enough. I mean, if you have a situation where 
Fox's board recommends against Comcast, but they're offering, you know, I don't know, $12, $15 billion more or whatever. If you're a shareholder, you go, well, screw your recommendation. I'm going to vote for this. Yeah. Yikes. Okay. Last bit of follow-up. We talked about, I think maybe three weeks ago, uh, soundbars and also the potential allure of a soundbar that had built-in Amazon Sorry, I didn't mute mine. Amazon Echo voice product integration. And then right on schedule, uh, the uh, Sonos, who's preparing for their IPO, uh, debuted the insanely ingre- aggressively priced Sonos Beam, which is uh, e- Echo service enabled um, and is like half the price of the like five-year-old play bar they've been selling for a very long time. And sight unseen, or uh, sorry, or uh, listen unheard. <laughs> you, <laughs> you, uh, you apparently bought one or pre-ordered one. I so did. W- what is the deal with this? Yeah, so these come out mid-July. So yeah, I, I pre-ordered one. So this is exactly what I wanted this to be, and it's exactly what the rumors suggested it was going to be. It was going to be, you know, a Sonos soundbar that has built-in Lady in a Can integration that has AirPlay two. That has kind of all the things that you love about Sonos. But, you know, the thing with Sonos, it's particularly in, less so now in just their speakers, but particularly with their sound bars, they've always been on the, you know, slightly higher end of the range. Not certainly not the top of the price range, but not, you know, not what you would describe as being like a low to mid range price either. Like I think the, the play bar is what, eight or nine hundred dollars? I think it's seven ninety nine. So okay. Yeah. 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 Um, I don't know if there was a ton of speculation about the price or if this was just me assuming what was going to happen. I just assumed that they would basically take slightly better um, hardware, put, you know, lady in a can integration in and come out with something that they would say is, is basically like the play bar two that would either be the same price or maybe even a little bit more, which they would justify with all these extra features. I totally did not expect them to go the other direction where this is now being positioned as not a low end device. I mean, it's still $400, but being a device that's like, like the Sonos one before it very accessible. Mm-hmm. Um, which is again just, just totally not a direction that I expected them to go in, but I mean, man, if this thing sounds even remotely close, um, as good as the the play bar, which I think most people really enjoy, plus it's got all this other stuff at like half the price, like man, that is that's a killer package. Well, because that's the thing I don't get, which is um, Sonos has always had a reputation for you know like it's it's good, but it's expensive, like it, it, and even beyond like. Because Bose always has that like fifty percent premium, like it's it's more expensive than it should be, but it sounds good, so you, and it, it's generally pretty reliable, so you, you should just get it. But Sonos has always been like very expensive, where it's kind of been kind of like the like you're you're somebody who's who's very wealthy and you want a whole home audio solution, and you go Sonos because you know like if you put it in like five rooms, like you're in for like three grand of putting stuff in there and they've had things like the play three and the play five but yeah like last year when they did they decided to link up with amazon and do the play one which was uh priced super aggressively at 199 for a speaker that sounded good and had um some smarts to it 
this continuing that trend for providing what seems like a very compelling um, home theater product for three uh, for two hundred fifty or three hundred dollars less than what Bose is offering, and undercutting what they currently sell that's old hardware for by three hundred dollars is, is is very surprising. Yeah, it really is, and it's it's really really smart. Um, I mean. I briefly mentioned this a couple of weeks ago and still still don't have a ton to say about it. I'm hoping to have more over the next couple of weeks, but you know, we have a Sonos one in the house now. And I I don't think I don't think we would have gotten one had, you know, they've gone the home pod direction and gone like three forty nine or three ninety nine or something like that. Um and I and I I don't think I would have just necessarily immediately pre ordered a Sonos Beam had it been seven ninety nine, I, I I would have maybe waited for the reviews and then, you know, if it seemed like a really really great product, maybe would have considered it. But the, but the fact that they came out at this price range um, is again just just really exciting and makes their whole platform, which really is sort of universally considered kind of the best in home speaker solution. Um, and if they're going to start putting them out at this price, I mean that's that's really tough to beat. Yeah. I'm looking at a Verge article that you, you I'm sure you'll put in the show notes. Um it's super interesting how how in depth their um how like product reveals now are not just like hey, like other than Apple, like there's a lot of companies that are very willing to give an inside look and behind the scenes on not just the hardware but also like the software and the development process and the kind of the story that the company wants to position behind how a product gets released. Right. Yeah. So Sonos did the thing that I think Amazon's done this before too. And I've, I've Google maybe too, where, you know, they, they've given access to the device to a handful of um, press outlets before the event. And then they sort of lift the embargo right as the event is happening. So like, not only are you getting the direct messaging from the company, but then you also have all of these other articles that are being written that provide, you know, a lot of the nitty gritty details that you maybe wouldn't want to put up on stage. Yeah, like they they've had a few days to marinate on it. Exactly, yeah. yeah. Um, which is cool because, you know, like one of the things that I was obviously really interested in and was a little even like skeptical of because of the price was like, okay, well how does this thing sound? And you know, this Verge article and everywhere else I read seemed to indicate that, you know, they sounded really good. So I thought like, oh, okay. Well, that's, you know, another um another reason to just go ahead and get this thing. Um and then another really interesting aspect I think to this and I, I guess this has been part of the play bar as well, but I just have never really paid much attention to it is, you know, I'm going to start with just the beam and, you know, we'll live with that and see how that goes. But what's really cool with Sonos is you can also then add to your system. So they've got a wireless subwoofer that you can pair to this thing. And then you can also pair Sonos one speakers and use them as satellite speakers. So you can eventually go full, um, kind of like surround sound, which, you know, because you're not going over RF, you know, you don't, and you're going over Wi-Fi, I mean, I would want to read some reviews to how this works, but I would presume that that would be kind of, kind of interesting. Yeah. Bose has something similar, which makes sense. Like they have something called the Acoustamass that uh, links up with any of their um, SoundTouch products. And that makes sense for Sonos's thing. Play ones as like left and right channel or like or satellites because that seems hmm. I'd be skeptical with that, but but if you but since you since you, since you in a house, yeah, go nuts with the bass and get some some crazy good audio. Yeah, I mean, I think like order of operations would be again. We'll live with this for a while. I I I, it, I mean, I've been using 
the my built-in TV speakers and then that really really shitty Vizio soundbar for <laughs> you know between the two of those for a couple of years. So I mean, <laughs> this the the soundbar itself is going to be a big upgrade. But then I think it would be interesting to get you know the subwoofer eventually. And then I think you know with the with the Sonos One speakers, I don't think you don't think you'd want to use those just as your rear speakers. Um, you would also want to be using them kind of regularly for music, which you can you know you can also do right. You can do the stereo pairing and stuff with them. Um, so anyway, just one of those things where I'm I'm interested to kind of you know potentially add to it over time, and I think it, it's it's cool to at least you know have that option. Yeah, it's an interesting direction, especially for a company like pre IPO. That's that's uh, it looks like they're ready to broaden uh, the the market that they're that they see as their target market. Totally. Um, yeah. So yeah, I think we're we're on our way to becoming a a Sonos home, which you know a couple of years ago, because of the reasons you cited, mostly around price, I would have never ever guessed. But here we are. Here we are. Yeah. All right. So I think that wraps up follow up. So let's, hour let's go ahead and start. An hour and seven minutes. In. <laughs> okay. So the big the big news of the week. Uh, what happened outside San Jose? Let's 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 bring back everybody's favorite uh, segment. Still or sparkling? Yes. Registered trademark. Mm-hmm. So somebody on Twitter brought this up, and I I, I forget who it was. Uh, that um. Like overnight, Whole Foods underwent a like transformation where there was this there's this prime shit everywhere. Um and one of the the big things were right next to the checkout stand, there was and this was a pre existing product, uh Whole Foods has had their own in house brand called uh three sixty five, like everyday deals or whatever. And they have uh twelve packs of sparkling water, which are very, very similar to LaCroix. And and Whole Foods also does carry LaCroix, which is uh six bucks for a 12 pack and uh whole foods now under the uh tutelage of mr chef bezos now uh sells the 365 every day uh sparkling water for 3.99 but if you're a prime member it's buy one get one free which means it's two dollars a 12 pack which is just very weird and uh, is something that, of course, I had to go try, and because I, I am, I am the Mike Isaac of sparkling water, and it, it's fine. It, it's it's fine, but I'm super interested to know what you think about the Amazon primization of Whole Foods. I mean this uh, this is exactly what was going to happen when they bought them a year ago. I mean, I think... Is it, though? Yes. I mean, I think if you go back and listen to our shows from around this time last year, well, a couple of months later, I guess, and then also just read general, you know, press around the Amazon Whole Foods thing, the only thing people were surprised about was sort of like how little Amazon seemingly was doing. I mean, they yeah, they were sticking their little, like... um you know, dot displays like in the front <laughs> of the store, but like that, and, next and, the then, produce. and making like weird prime logo cutouts in the ground beef. Ground beef. Yeah. <laughs> but like, other than that, they really weren't doing anything. And so like, yeah, I mean, th- what they're doing now with rolling out their own store brands and having this like prime member exclusive pricing, like 
this is all of the stuff that if, if you were to make a list of things that you expected Amazon to do at the time of acquisition last year, like this is the exact stuff that you would list. Amazon lockers, like all, all this stuff is exactly what you'd expect them to do. Well, so, so the Amazon lockers happened on day one, at least the, at the ones in Northern California. But like the thing is like they're not – so this is like this is kind of interesting where it's not – and. And to be clear, like these prices also apply online. So if you use, is it called for for grocery? Is it Prime Now, Prime Pantry, or like Prime Grocery? Like what is? <laughs> I don't think Prime Grocery is a thing. There's there's Prime Pantry, and there's well, what's the thing where you can do Whole Foods uh, delivery? Whole that's Foods Prime Now. Amazon. Yeah, that that's Prime Now. Okay. But like, so th this price also applies online. So the thing is like, they're still continuing to use, like, I don't know if it's, they, they are going to continue to embrace the 365 brand as being what they're going to use for their grocery, um, in-house stuff, or if it's just, they felt they needed to do something more drastic with the, the whole foods assets and didn't have time to Amazon basics, the whole thing up. Like, like this is, this is like, it's currently, we're not in a world where you're drinking Amazon water or I'm, I'm not buying Amazon basics cashews yet. So do they ever more fully integrate Amazon branding into the stores? Or do you think like for the grocery stuff, they think using like the, the whole foods IP is, is smarter. I, I bet they're in a kind of a experimental mode where I, I bet they don't even know. And I bet they'll sort of try both and see what works over time which i mean that's that's the point that i've made i think a couple of times on the show with why i think this is so smart for amazon to have bought in whole foods and as you and i got to experience in person last week have these kind of random we're gonna get there yeah retail <laughs> locations um, <laughs> next to a neck gear store <laughs> oh, which, what is that so weird um it's just, it's incredibly smart for them to have a brick and mortar presence and just and just learn from that just just be in a mode where you just want to learn as much as possible because there there's it's never going to be where everything's done online there's always going to be some portion of the shopping market which is done you know offline as you would say and so the more that amazon can learn about that and put themselves in a position to be able to not just relegate themselves to being an online retailer, but also having a presence in the piece of the market that's going to stay offline. Super, super smart. I wish I kept more detailed show notes because I, that feels like the opposite of your position when uh, Gene Munster was advocating for Amazon buying Target. Or I think you were advocating for everything being online. No, I, I think I've been pretty consistent with the point that having some type of physical presence is really smart not in a not in a you know let's build a thousand stores across the u.s type of strategy but let's strategically put stores in certain locations let's offer certain types of products and services that people would prefer to you know buy instantly or buy um in store like to me i think like the target thing would potentially make sense I think it's just a matter of time before they have some type of electronics presence. Like, you know, it seems like there's somewhat of a relationship between them and Best Buy. So it's like something like that, I think, would make all the sense in the world. Um, yeah, I mean, I just I, I think having some type of retail operation is incredibly smart. 
Well, so so let me ask. Well, so well, well uh, let me table that real quick. So, and, and I I also sent in Slack to you to to rest in peace Whole Foods. Like the the change was really drastic, and this the store like felt super different. It was it didn't feel well maintained anymore. And like I sent you a picture of like like just like completely barren shelves. And like everybody was now wearing like blue Amazon Prime shirts. Like it, it was, it was a weird thing where I, I like it feels like they also they didn't do anything with this this company that they acquired in all these retail stores, and it feels like overnight they're trying to shoehorn a bunch of stuff on it, and it maybe isn't working as a cohesive thing yet. Well, but that gets back to the point that I was just making, where I I think they are or at least should be just in full experimental mode. And see see what works. You don't think that alienates customers? It will it'll alienate some, but I would actually, you know, flip the coin on its head again, as you like to say, and say that it's actually going to probably bring in a lot of customers because the thing with Whole Foods in particular is a lot of people would never consider shopping there because it was you know considered to be too high end or out of their price range, and it seems like Amazon's done some work to kind of cut against that stereotype. So yeah, maybe you lose a customer, but maybe you gain three more. Yeah. Hmm. I've only, I've only been there once since, but it feels like it's, it's a little bit alienating so far, but, and the only other thing I'm going to bring up is that, um, there are all these now like prime member deals that you can get in the store allegedly. And whole foods has been a, has been a grocery retailer that has never had like a club card or a thing like that. So that's never been, like I'm not having it on the pin pad, having to enter my phone number or tr- to get like some Safeway just for you deal uh, at Whole Foods. So like, how do you think you have to get these deals? Like, what is what do you think the process is? You, I've I read something briefly about this. Don't you, you have to like log into the Amazon app and do something, right? You would think so. Okay, so this was very frustrating. Which is, I'm like, okay, like there's all these, like, okay, I'm buying, I'm buying, I'm buying, I'm carrying up like. 10 pounds of water so I can, so I can go <laughs> buy this because I because I'm telling them I have to do this for my podcast. Well, huh? I, yeah, I would, swear to God. Did you did you tell them it was for still still or sparkling? I did and they and they said, "Oh, you're that guy." And yeah. I did. You're you're the Carlos? Go. Really? Oh, yeah, wow. Yeah. They're like, "Oh yeah, the other guy likes hockey a lot. He, he should he should really become a Red Wings fan." <laughs> um and so yeah, so I was, I was like, uh, I I wonder how this actually works. And then uh, I walk up to the register, and, and they're like, Oh yeah, are you an Amazon Prime member? And I'm like, Yeah. And he's like, Okay, where's your barcode? I'm like, what the fuck are you talking about? <laughs> so I'm like, you know, the, Okay, the, the barcode you have tattooed to your forehead. I'm I'm like, We're not there yet. This isn't that like Justin Timberlake movie where you pay for stuff like with your oh, wrist. Oh, that movie. Was so I don't know bad. if that was a good movie or not. I've never it, watched it. It was so bad. Sorry, did you say bad or sad or ba- both? <laughs> I mean, sad and how bad it was. Yeah, yeah. That's a precursor to the Apple Watch. That was very prescient. Mm-hmm. Um, so I'm like, okay, and uh, like, I mean, like, I have the Amazon app on my phone. Is it where? Where is it? And he's like, no, you have to get the Prime Savings app. I'm like, what the fuck is that? Okay. And then I like, I'm like, I'm usually pretty quick on that kind of stuff. Again, like, just where I'm very self conscious about paying with the Apple Watch. Where I, I'm like, I will help bag. I will pre double click my watch, and I will just get in and out. And this will be a very nice transaction. And I'm like, okay, let me go to the app store. Let me try to update. Like, let me try to download this real quick. And I'm like, oh, it's I'm not finding anything. And then apparently, like, they just have this like stack of little flyers of telling you how to get the thing. And apparently, you're supposed to download the Whole Foods app, 
which has been completely neutered and made like it used to be a useful app that had recipes and stuff. And now it uh, does one thing. It shows a barcode that you can present at the Amazon at the Amazon Whole Foods or the, the Bezos way, as I call it now. And that's it. And I had no instructions on how to do that. So like the guy's like, okay, fine. You don't have that. So what's your phone number? I get my phone number and he's like, nope, that's not in there. He's like, okay, I'll give it to you this one time. I'm like, what the fuck? Like, it was a very, very weird, disjointed experience. And since Amazon already knows everything about me and should have been able to figure out that I shop at Whole Foods twice a week, like this should have not been this weird experience. And luckily I went like around like 830 when it wasn't busy. Otherwise I would have felt like super guilty about it taking a little bit of time. Like it was, that's where I say rest in peace, Whole Foods. Like this, this is weird. Like it now has a Safeway club carb component to it. It, 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 it's just very weird. Yeah. So I, I, I just, I've now, I searched for the prime savings app while you were talking there, couldn't find it. And then did the search for the Whole Foods app when you mentioned that. Uh, so now I've, I've downloaded that so that I'm not the, the asshole holding up the line. Thanks. Thank you. I got to be it first. <laughs> and can I can I complain about one real thing real quick? Oh please! Have you have you logged into the Whole Foods app? Uh, I I can do that now again. So I thought I'm actually you know not like you and I'm prepared in line. <laughs> um, I hate apps that brighten your screen. Mm, mm-hmm. The Starbucks app does it. The Whole Food apps, uh, Whole Foods app does it. It's well, even it's, even Wallet does it. Wallet makes sense though. Or like I will allow it because it's a system app, but like I I I am careful about curating when my screen is bright and when it's not, and I have trained iOS to know when it should be and in what context. Don't do that. <laughs> don't don't brighten up my screen just to show this barcode so that I can get ten percent off ground beef. Wait, so you get? Don't do it. Huh? So so this I'm looking at my barcode which is a for whatever reason a qr code that's yeah diagonal that's odd um and it's telling me that as a prime member i get deep weekly discounts which that's that's vague as hell and an extra 10 percent off sales prices so does that mean you get just 10 percent off of everything in the store no so I've sent you so, so in my shopping trip. Exclude the Home Depot one. We'll we'll get to that. I've sent you a couple of pictures where apparently whatever the fuck. What, please bleep this out. Whatever cotton candy grapes are, and like so many random things around the store, like in like that barren potato chip aisle, is like just like there's just random things that if they're on sale, you happen to get an extra ten percent off of. And I'm still unclear. Do you save regular money if you just use? If you don't present that and you just buy the stuff that has the blue price tags, like this is it, it, like there's very poor merchandising on this and very poor communications to the customers on how this is supposed to work. And it hasn't been rolled out nationwide yet. Apparently, Northern California is a test market for this because, of, of course, I'm the nerd that goes home and researches all this stuff. Like, this is weird. They, they, they have to figure this out. Oh, they have. This is very relevant for me now. They have charcoal on sale, seven ninety nine a bag, plus the extra ten percent off. That's that's a good deal. Yeah, and and right below that, buy one get one free on macaroni and cheese. Annie's or, Annie's mac and cheese, yeah, yeah. Not not craft dinner, which as it's known in Canada is what 
Uh, oh, I've, I've forgotten. KD. That's right. Craft dinner. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, this this thing's weird, man. Like, yeah, the the app used to do things, and 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 now it doesn't. Now all it does is brighten up my screen when it shouldn't. This is very strange. I, I, I it is it is the most barren app I've ever seen. I, I still I still I don't think I've been to a Whole Foods in in the year since Amazon has bought them. It just it's not really somewhere that I typically shop, but. I feel I feel compelled that I have to see this for myself now, and I, that I need them to scan my weird diagonal QR code. <laughs> yeah, I think I'm just going to not take the savings. Just just go up and say no. I'm not 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 a Prime member. I don't, I don't think I want to play this game because this this is a game. Hmm. Yeah this this is this is very strange. This is weird. And then before we move off the topic. Because allegedly this is a technology show, um, I, I went to I went to, to, uh, to Home Depot because I needed to buy a couple of things right afterward, and they have knockoff Amazon lockers. So were these? These were over by the self checkout because again, apparently Home Depot is another company that realized, oh yeah, we're not going to pay humans to ring you up anymore. Even though Home Depot seems like the kind of place where self checkout is the least intuitive thing possible, because everything is either absolutely tiny or or like an enormous. Uh, so apparently, right behind self checkout, there are uh, online order lockers, and it, this is for this is just for Home Depot. So this is like if you bought something on HomeDepot.com. I assume so. Yeah. Or no, it, it's where you can pick up your Rakuten orders. Hmm. I don't think anybody's ever shopped there. <laughs> I'm so surprised they got their logo on on the Warriors thing. Yeah, I, I was kind of surprised by that too. What what do um I know the seventy six not not the seventy sixers the Celtics have the General Electric uh, logo which is probably one of the best ones mm-hmm. I forget who did the Cavs have they had Goodyear that's pretty good too that's not bad yeah yeah hmm. if the Seattle SuperSonics existed they would probably have Starbucks or ooh, Microsoft or Amazon or Nintendo ooh Nintendo oh that'd be awesome yeah there'd be a there'd be a bidding war for that up there man they. Howard Schultz messed up. Mm-hmm. Ballman needs to move. Ooh, ball because LA doesn't need. LA already has a monopoly of double sports teams. So move the Clippers up to Seattle. No, there was there was some there was some contingency as part of Ballmer buying the Clippers that he wasn't going to move the team to Seattle because that was that was what everybody speculated when that was happening, and then they they yeah they said no to that. Fine, move the Lakers. Doesn't matter. <laughs> There, there, there are lakes in Washington. They, they, the lake show can be up there. I don't know. I don't know if LeBron's going to want to play in Seattle. <laughs> I, I, I will, I will give you fifty cases of, of, of off-brand Lacroix if if LeBron signs with the Lakers. No, I, I, I actually, I actually continue to be a little skeptical of it. But there is, there has been something that's happened in the last couple of days, and this is a very Nate Silver thing to keep track of. Um, it's, and it's not, it's not perfect, but, um, you've been able to bet on this in Vegas for a little while, like which team he was going to go to next. The Scottish teens. Yeah. Uh, (laughs) And the Lakers have been consistently like five to one, six to one. I think in some places like a week or two ago, they were all the way down to like eight to one, nine to one. They're like, it's like plus 200 now. Like they're the, the, you have to bet 200 bucks to win a hundred bucks now. Which like and that and again that's like happened like in the last couple of days, but when there's big swings like that, it's 
sometimes a red flag that like somebody knows something. Yeah, but why would he do that? Because isn't isn't LeBron beyond the money? Well, so this is a, so the 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 narrative with him coming to LA would be he wants to basically be the next Magic Johnson. He wants to learn from Magic. He wants to build an entire kind of media empire in LA and he he's really thinking about like the next stage of his life. That would be that would be the reason he he'd come to LA. It would be for non-basketball reasons. Uh-huh. He can do that with the Sacramento Kings. <laughs> he could. All right. Um, so I'm sorry that so this got this got kind of yeah kind of got lost in the shovel here. But you said the water the water's okay. It's fine. I I I have grown to prefer uh, as as people know. My favorite is the Target House brand Simply Balanced Water. Um, because it comes in the taller, like Red Bull style cans. Mm. I greatly prefer that. I have no idea why. But, yeah, no, um, I, 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 I feel that. Um, and also I prefer as, uh, from <laughs> just for fridge optimization, Jesus, I sound like a nerd. <laughs> um, <laughs> I prefer to have four eight packs in, in a fridge at one time rather than, uh, these unwieldy 12 packs. Huh, okay. Uh, of these of these very large round cans. Anyway, the water tastes fine. Um, the flavors are un uneventful or are unremarkable. It's, it's no just, it's no bubbly. Um, I can't wait till Pepsi gets bored with that. I'm tired of seeing Instagram ads because maybe that maybe that is the most concrete evidence that Facebook is like doing intense data mining is they keep giving me bubbly ads. Because whenever I'm doing my research for uh, sparkling water segment news, I'm always doing it in an, in an incognito window, so Facebook doesn't <laughs> track me. I do need I do need to get a little bit better at trying some of this stuff now that I'm out of San Francisco. Like going to the local Target to get some bubbly in San Francisco is a bit of an adventure, but you know, out here in the burbs, it's you know, I should I should be going to do stuff like that. So um, I'll be better about that. I need to try bubbly. I need to go to a, a Whole Foods, have them scan my Prime barcode. You got you got to make the four store loop: Home Depot, Target, Trader Joe's, and, and Whole Foods. I, they All practic- within a mile of each other. Practically know <laughs> the, the, the local Home Depot by heart now. And spent it's been spending a lot of time there. <laughs> did I already did I already tell you that I I both love and hate your pick? Did this ever come up? Yeah, which one? So uh, uh, the Whole oh, Foods the, 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 the Home, the Home, Home Depot, Depot app, app yeah. Yeah, it, it is fantastic, except when you look there and it's like, oh, yeah, the store has eight of something. And then like, you're like, where is it? And then you go ask for help and you get zero help. No, I know. I, so I, I've had that happen. A, a, you, I would say, let's say 80% of the time, the, the locator and the stock quantity is accurate. However, that other 20% where something isn't where it's supposed to be and then you have to go ask someone, yeah, that, that's really where it breaks down. So the problem, so a quick, wow, we're not going to talk about anything. Um, I was going there because I was doing, so I was doing, I was inspired by Fixer Upper. I was doing, I was opening up my space and I was, I was hanging up, I was replaced. I, in my house, I replaced some vertical blinds uh, with some nice curtains and like a, a double, a double curtain rod, which turned out very nice. Look at you. Very, I'm very pleased with that. I felt very chip gains. Where's, where's the ship lap? Uh, that's a demo day is coming in, in, in August. Got it's it. Okay. okay. Um, I, I don't need that security deposit back. What's what's a security deposit? What's a, what's a computer? Right. Um. So, 
I was going there to look for a drapery drapery rod that I found online, and I opened up the app on your recommendation. I'm like, oh, cool. It's 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 in aisle 41 in the back of the store by the appliances. So I passed by the Samsung Android refrigerator that was showing a GDPR notice. And I, <laughs> I swear to God. Yeah, the lady friend won't let us get one of those. Can't, ima- can't imagine why. Maybe for your birthday. Uh-huh. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's gonna be on your tombstone. Oh, <laughs> uh, pretty good. Oh, for you. That's so diplomatic. That that's that's really elegant. Hey, you. I, I I had a chance to show you that smart sprinkler system in that weird Amazon store last week. That that seems pretty cool, right? <laughs> With no price tags. <laughs> oh, sure. We have to talk about that too. Wow. Okay. WWC recap. It was fine. <laughs> um. So yeah, so I went. Wasn't I up? Yeah, so I, I used the app and I found the thing, and I was like, okay, it's, it should be back here, and it wasn't there. And I was like, so eventually I, I was like, okay, that's that sucks, but I I really think this is what I want. So let me go, let me go try to find somebody to help me find it. And then somebody who I can't tell if they actually worked for Home Depot or they were a contractor or something, and they're like, oh yeah, it's not here. Let me go try to find somebody else. And then they're like, oh well, maybe it just hasn't been put out on the floor yet. You know what you should do? I can't help you. But place an online order for it. That way, somebody has to find it for you. I think that's the only way you're going to get it. I was like, that's not helpful. I, I didn't say that, but like that's that's kind of seems bad. Yeah. No, I, I had something similar where I think it was just like a broom. It was like something really <laughs> simple. And the app said they had, I don't know, 10 of them or something. Mm-hmm. They weren't where they were supposed to be like I, I found the area where they were stocked and this like the little rack was just empty mm-hmm. you know found someone showed him the product he punched the little product code into his little you know palm pilot thing that they carry around and he also said yep we've got like 10 of these so he's like started looking around he grabbed another associate they spent i don't know five six minutes looking around and then the conclusion was like yep yeah, we can't find these and that, that was it. <laughs> there was there wasn't even a offering of any kind of alternative solution. It was just, yep, sorry, can't find these. Yeah. So, so the alternative provided to me was, oh yeah, just just order online and choose in store pickup, and then they have to find it. <laughs> and you know, what? I was like, I'm like that's. Uh, I said, I think I said thank you because I'm a polite person. And then I was like, as I was walking my car, kind of like crestfallen and just kind of disappointed in in my my dear Home Depot, which is a company I really like. I was like, okay, fine. Okay, like, I'll play the game, and then I ordered. I ordered it, and I was like, I'm going to go to Target and just go pick up some groceries, get some, get some simply balanced sparkling water, <laughs> and and then within like 40 minutes, it was just canceled. It's and it said, oh yeah, we don't have any. I'm like, yes, you do, huh. but it's fine. It was disappointing. I ended up going to. Uh, uh, I found something similar at Target, and it, it was it was half the price, and it was amazing. And and these curtains are delightful. So I had kind of another disappointment. We're getting you know Home Depot stories off our chest here. So you you alluded <laughs> to you alluded to uh, my shed, which uh, we built <laughs> built a couple of weekends ago. So that you know purchased that from Home Depot. So of course you know sheds are like I'm sure it's not something that like they sell a ton of. And so these these things are stored like way the hell up in the rafters, you know, and they're like like pretty <laughs> championship things, <laughs> right? Uh huh. Um, and they, you know, they're pretty wheeled, like unwieldy and heavy and all that. And so, you know, on the app, it doesn't even tell you where these things are, 
which is that it just says like C associate. That's not a good sign. So we asked like three different people. They tell us to go like three different places. Eventually, I'm like, you know what? I'm just gonna go, I'm just gonna go find this thing. And I did. I, I went out to. I, I I presumed they would be out in the gardening section. They they were. And I found the little rafter where it was. They you know said they had five in stock. I saw they had the five stacked right on top of each other. But you know could tell they were going to be pretty difficult to to get to. You're not taking that to self checkout. No no no. Um, but you know, then you have to find someone to help you get it down. And it's just like, when you ask them to do that, they just like, they act all irritated. And it's just like, yeah, like I get that this is kind of a pain, but like, this is also your job. And I would think actually that this might actually be something that would kind of break up the monotony of, I mean, I, I say this as someone who worked in retail for like six years, like it would break up some of the monotony of just your day to day in retail. Like, don't make, don't make me feel bad. You know, I completely agree. Cause I'm I, like, yeah, like I, I think we're both probably people that try to be as well, like sensible as, oh, totally. reasonable as possible, totally. but also it's like, kind of like, this is kind of literally the the very definition of why why you're here. Like, right? Come on, man. Yeah. Like just just like and like I I like in this case with the shed. Like I found it on my own. Like if if you, if you would let me drive your forklift thing, I I will gladly just try to do this myself. If that's really what you want me to do here. Yeah. Take Big Joe for a spin. <laughs> right. Like I'll, that's like, inside. We won't we won't talk about. No this. no no. Um, like literally, I mean, li- literally, like I, like if you want me to go down that route, fine. But like, you know, <laughs> don't like, don't make me feel guilty. Anyway. Yeah. But the, the, what makes it all better is sometimes when you need help, you get somebody who's really great and you're like, Oh, I, I bless you. Thank, thank you. And at the end of the day, so the, and the, the shed is a great example of this. Where the hell else are you going to buy a shed other than Home Depot? <laughs> like half the things that are out of Home Depot Again, like, where the hell else are you going to get it other than, like, some obscure website that's probably going to take, you know, like, a week and a half shipping? Yeah, there's there's no Amazon basic sheds. No, no. Like, yeah, I bought... I bought in, that's what Blue Origin is working on. Right. <laughs> like, I've bought in so many obscure little things where it's, like, you know, it's it's Home Depot or... I don't know. Like, I don't know what the alternative is. Yeah. No, I, I needed to get, like, tiny cable ties. And I'm like, where, where else am I going to go and get that? Right. Radio Shack's out of business. Probably gonna have that like at uh, the container store. I have no idea. Right. Yeah. And well, actually, age. this is this is a, my this is funny. I, I think this has always been a Home Depot thing. I, I remember my dad even like saying this, where it's like Home Depot is great when you know exactly what you need and you can basically just be self proficient or self whatever sufficient right. sufficient. Thank you. But if you go in there and you start having to ask questions. Mm. And don't get me wrong. Sometimes you do find the rare, like really helpful p- person there, but mm-hmm. it, uh, your odds are, you know, about one in four at best. Do you remember the episode of Parks and Recreation where Ron Swanson walks into a Home Depot or a Lowe's and he says, "I know more than you, son." <laughs> no, you need to look that up on YouTube and please put it in the show notes because it's one of my favorite things ever. <laughs> yeah, I'll try to. Somebody find walks that. up to him and is like, "Can I help you?" He's like. I know more than you. He just walks right past him. Um, oh, where where are we? I'm the outliner. Okay. Um. Oh, it's the Amazon bookstore. 
it, it, a bookstore? Is that I don't. It was called Amazon Bookstore. Hmm. So in San Jose, after after WWDC, after the ancillary events after WWDC, after, as you do, you went in Rome, Rome of the West. You go to the Amazon Bookstore, and it was weird. It's pretty weird. It was very weird. Um, there was a smart home section. There were some random board games. Like there was the usual Barnes and Noble, like kind of ancillary, like this is stuff people, this is coworker Secret Santa gift fodder. So that's what all the, like the, like the, the stuffed animals and the, and the, the games are. And then they have the book section and then they had, yeah, they had, they have the Amazon first party, uh, Echo and Kindle products. And then they had a whole bunch of, um, smart home stuff that we eventually figured out was all stuff that was made to work with the Echo suite of products. Um, but yeah, it was, it was very weird. Nothing had price tags, which I think we deduced that was the reason why there were price scanners like Target everywhere is because they sell it to you at the price that it currently is on Amazon, which fluctuates. Yeah, no, no, you, so you get all the credit for that. So I, I was walking around and it took, actually took me a little while, but I eventually was like, what the fuck? There's no, there's no prices (laughs) on anything. Like, what is this? Like well, this is the Echo Show that was marked down. Well, like, like honestly, like, re- like for a brief second, I thought, wait, this isn't like the Amazon Ghost Store, is it? Like, <laughs> which wish. which would have been a terrible mistake to make. Moved to San Jose. <laughs> um, but then yeah, I, I noticed on the signs that you could actually yeah, you could take it to a price scanner, or I think there was some way like through the Amazon app you could have like scanned the product or something. Um. But then, no, you smartly suggested that, well, no, the reason they don't have the prices is because, yeah, they, they price match Amazon.com and that those prices are always changing. So that, I'm, I'm sure that's the reason. But that's very, very strange. Yeah, and it, it did take a while to figure out why non-book products were in the store. But eventually, right. yeah, it, it, it did click, and I wasn't looking at the signage above that said uh, works with Alexa. And then the... The other, the other interesting thing that happened when we were in there was a woman came in with, you know, like a big Kerber box and she like takes it up to the counter and goes, so like, I've never done this before. Like, but it said online I could do it. Like it's, it's like a return. And the woman behind the counter is like, oh yeah, yeah, no problem. And like scanned something and then dropped it off behind the counter. So like someone was doing their Amazon.com return right there in store too. Although that seems like the least convenient mall to do that, why would you just go to a UPS store? Yeah, but... if you were if you if you just happen to like be in that area or something, you know, checking out the the Model Three next door or something. <laughs> in, in between the Netgear store and the, yeah, checking out your Model Three and uh-huh. seeing how, how it would be like to drive with the, with just a funky iPad Pro <laughs> jammed in the middle of the dashboard. I'm very prejudiced against that car. Yeah, so you that was your first time actually like being inside of one, right? Yes, I've been in a Model S a bunch, but yeah, the Model Three. I think I've only seen from outside. Right. It's weird. It is, I don't it's, know. it's a weird car. Yeah. Yeah. Does your Does your new house have a power wall in it yet? Uh, we don't have a power wall, but it, it, based on my limited electricity knowledge, I do believe that we already have a spare two forty hookup. So. Think we're oh, that's, mm. I think we're ready. I mean, we would still have to run the cable out there, but I, I, it looks like some of the work's been done. So, 
Yeah, you are ready for your second gen Nissan Leaf. <laughs> yeah, that's it's not it's not a bad car. It, it got it got way less ugly. Yeah, it got way less ugly. And one and the apparently the Nissan Pro Pilot stuff's pretty good. People seem pretty positive on that. Yeah, but I think all manufacturers are are after all the the Tesla stuff. They're scaling all of their marketing and uh, promises back. Yeah, Nissan does. A, I don't know if you've seen these ads because it's I have, both yeah. the, the Leaf and the Rogue both have ProPilot. They do this weird thing where they like they show the person like yes, l- gently lifting their hands but still keeping their hands right above the wheel. Which well, is what's the point? Pro- well, and, and I, I'm pretty sure that those systems do what what Autopilot does, where if you've got your hands off the wheel for more than a few seconds, it starts beeping at you. So I, I it's kind of strange that they highlight that on the commercial. Like again. And I know you're super, uh, you're you're leaning into uh, the uh, stage five autonomous stuff pretty hard. Like, I don't see the utility of like, I, I see like lane departure and like stuff that keeps you in your lane, like that stuff makes sense. But stuff that like sort of does like tracking of the object in front of you and keeps you in your lane, yet you still have to keep like, then literally what is the point then? Because it's no longer a safety feature, but it's not an autonomous driving feature. So then, why why does it exist? It's it's in a weird middle ground right now. Yeah, it's it's, it's like that. It, this is the 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 palm this is the palm trio of driving technologies. Like the smartphone hasn't come yet, but it's barely better than a flip phone. Hmm. That was an outstanding analogy. Good job, me. Um. So yeah, weird Amazon store. Okay, let's. WWC an hour and thirty in. Yeah, we'll uh we'll cut that segue that I tried to make like an hour ago. We'll we'll drop that in here and off we go. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. That's the magic of editing. I think there's a serious a serious shortcut for that. <laughs> Probably. Um so yeah, I mean let's yeah, let, let, let's keep it brief. I mean, I know you're like I said earlier, you're kind of WWDC'd out, so you know. Like when you listen to six podcasts about literally the same thing. Kind of like oh okay I, I get the point mm-hmm. so so uh, let's let's each run down kind of the two things that jumped out of us uh, jumped out to us the most the one common one I think we'll probably think of is specifically relating to iOS the big marquee feature I think was iOS shortcuts or, or sorry Siri shortcuts for iOS devices which basically it's not really an expansion of Siri Kit but it's um, the workflow app adapted to have more hooks into voice actions that allows app developers to code in certain commands that can hook into Siri um, and do actions. And also you can use this app called Shortcuts that's very, very similar to the kind of that automation application that they acquired last year where you can kind of script your own thing where you can say uh, like, hey Siri, I'm home. And it will like ping uh, a bunch of your smart devices, maybe start playing NPR and um, do some stuff. So that seems like one of the the most like crowd pleasing and interesting features of the event. So yeah, I totally agree. This this by far and away seems like the most exciting thing to to come out of WWDC and the thing that has the most potential. Um. I actually kind of left the presentation feeling a little skeptical of it, um, just in the sense that I wasn't sure how flexible these workflows were going to be to set up and how much work third-party developers needed to do to support them. 
But after going to that relay show and hearing how positive Federico Vitici was about it, and it, it's his art, <laughs> his article that we'll put in the notes here. Um, his, 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 his excitement about it was pretty tangible and it like Jason Snell has been pretty optimistic about it as well. So yeah, I'm, I'm really, really interested in it. And especially now as someone who over the next, you know, six months is going to be thinking a lot about smart home stuff and, you know, specifically doing something that I really didn't do a lot of in the apartment just because it was such a smaller space, but doing more around automation um, that's something I really want to get more into. And so, you know, I, I think this seems like a really, uh, potentially interesting solution. Yeah. Like, um, Oh, I, I think this was on cortex, um, where I don't know if it was Mike or gray who, who brought it up, but this was a, and, and you can explain the analogy of like an insane Jedi mind trick about making Siri way smarter without actually making Siri smarter, which I thought was like a really fascinating way to explain it because it allows you to, it allows a lot of developers to build in the smarts to Siri. And for you, if you decide you want to do something super specialized that you yourself can program that in. And it doesn't necessarily mean, cause like Siri on the basis of being able to understand what you're doing and do like the voice to text transcription like it's it's if you're using it for dictation, it's great. Like it, it's total. And my Apple Watch thinks I'm talking to it, so I take back everything I said. <laughs> um, but yeah, it's it's very good at that. So the where Siri falls down in so many ways is it doesn't have that cloud knowledge, and it doesn't have a good way of actually understanding what a lot of the stuff that is said, like how to actually act on it. So this fixes a ton of that, and it involves almost no work from Apple, which is brilliant. Not necessarily the greatest thing, but but brilliant. So, like, I, I think that fills in a lot of the gaps that people were, were worried about, and also it, it touches upon this kind of like hybrid need where people want more um, like power user stuff and maybe automation being introduced to iOS, and it kind of ticks all those boxes, which I think is a really successful way for them to have um, integrated and adapted the workflow application. Yeah, so I, I think it's it's just super smart all around. I I do too, and I it's a little surprising. Like it, it just it doesn't. It seems a little unApple like. Mm -hmm. It's like it's almost it's peeking under the curtain in a way that Apple doesn't usually allow. I think they get the benefit that workflow was not a mainstream app at all, right? So like let's like I can't think of another example. Well, I mean actually Beats Music was well they they redesigned most of it so that if there was very little vestiges of Beats Music left over. But yeah, workflow like wholesale if you compare to what it looked like before versus what shortcuts looks like, it other than the Siri low level like system API integration like it it's really similar. But they get the advantage of being able to actually accomplish that because um workflow was used by relatively so few people. Yeah, but that's that's also kind of my point though where you wouldn't normally expect Apple to have their kind of flagship feature of an iOS release be something that on the face of it is a little bit more of a power user feature. Well, that's that's the thing where I'm not sure that's actually the case. So I uh, let me see. Do they have the iOS 12 preview page up? Like, is that really the flagship feature? I think as at a developer conference. What else would you point to? 
I honestly think that fucking Memoji thing is gonna be the flagship. I see. I I'm glad you brought. I completely, completely disagree. Like I, I know I'm, that I'm talking about. I'm not talking about like I'm talking about in the marketing because that is just literally the most visible thing. Like I think like when they they're sure they're probably gonna talk about the the group FaceTime as a Skype replacement, and they're probably gonna lean hard into the um digital well being stuff of um screen time and the others in Applements. But like, I don't think they're gonna be like, oh yeah, automation. This is what this is what you buy an iPhone for. Uh, well, I mean, I, the marketing aside, like what people actually use, like Jason has said so many times over and over again this last week that he thinks that Memoji's gonna have legs that Animoji didn't. I, yes. I I totally disagree with that. Well, let me let me ask a question, and this is something I'm still unclear about: Is Memoji strictly like recorded video? like an emoji or can it be made into like a, a single glyph like can i make an like emoji that are my face but are like built into text i i believe so although so in I'm that not... case kind of cool maybe mm. like i i am somebody like i i i don't like young people i'm not a young person <laughs> i i am i am i am older than i i i'm i'm old i i like have you ever heard of this bitmoji thing no, I, I've seen it brought up over the last week since WWDC, but no, I had not heard of that previously. Like, I've used it a couple of times, and it's kind of fun. Uh, and I hate everything. <laughs> I I like I like the standard Unicode emoji, and that's it. Yeah. I don't need animation. I sure as hell don't need one of myself. <laughs> Maybe you do. I don't think so. I really don't think so. Where is one of my Bitmojis? <laughs> I don't. Is it is it a separate app? I still don't even really know what a but a Bitmoji it's, is. It's a separate app that does. There's gotta be a better one, man. I I hate the Photos app on Mac. They got they got to fix. Oh, maybe maybe Mojave uh, fixes this, but I really don't. Mo- think Mojave. Oh yeah, like yeah. Um, no, it, it, it was a fun thing that is a company that Snapchat bought and that it just allowed you to make kind of like fairly specific and expressive, um, little like images that you can bounce around to other people. Oh, let me, Hey, there's one. <laughs> uh, this is, this is very on brand for me. Eh, how do I send the thing? I think this looks vaguely like me. Uh, sure. But like, <laughs> I, well, I mean, I don't, I don't think I've ever seen you wear an outfit like that. But I constantly wear gray sweaters. I love gray sweaters. Yeah, but you wouldn't have your undershirt sticking I don't, up I don't, like I don't, that. I don't have that much hair, though. Eh, um, I, I don't know. I, was, anyway, and what do you, what do you use this for? Eh, just, to, just to mess around with coworkers. I don't, I don't know. It's a thing. It's a thing that young people do. It's, it's like, uh, like listening to the, to the, to Drake and stuff. It's, it's, it's thing young people do, and you have to do it to, to connect with, with youths and stuff. Ugh. Again, they're all into, yeah, they're, into, they're into the things, and they're doing things, and they're, they're, they can't even all the time. No, nothing makes me feel older than the messages section of an Apple keynote. The messages app. Uh, this is why I prefer to communicate with literally everyone in my life through Slack, because I don't understand what's happening in messages. Oh yeah, you can you you can you can Slack me anytime. <laughs> oh, sorry. I was, I'm scrolling through my uh, uh, through my photos app, and I found another uh, Bitmoji I like. This this one gets used uh, fairly uh, fairly often. 
I, I don't like any of this. <laughs> it's young people stuff. Um, so AR kit, we, we've, t- I don't know if we've ever really discussed this. Do you care in its current state? Like does, does AR excite you at all? I, I find it very snoozeworthy. So I generally do too, because most of the applications have been around that like gaming and kind of goofy entertainment stuff. But I thought something like the measure app that they demoed, that's the type of thing that I think makes AR um, really, really interesting. And that's that's the kind of stuff that I'm fascinated by. And same with actually like, you know, that IKEA app that they put out with the AR stuff, like that's it's legitimately very useful and a very neat use of ar uh, kind of like would you really like let, let's say um what's what's a comp, what's an expensive company let's say like crate and barrel made an ar app like it let's let, let's say you were like super into like i'm gonna i'm gonna spend twenty thousand dollars on furniture and like would you really make a decision on an eighteen hundred dollar kitchen table based off of the way it looked in ar no not not solely but you'd use that as a point of reference for sure yeah uh, yeah i guess i mean i guess i guess if retail needs every bit of help in 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 ways they can be more interactive with customers like that's that's good but i don't know i haven't seen any make or break use cases out, out outside of gaming and in which case i think i many people have made this point this is not an original thought is that like after eight actually i think even john gruber made this point is that after like eight minutes aren't you just gonna get tired of holding up your arms and then the whole the logical thing is oh yeah glasses but yeah meh, that's meh. that's clearly where this is going yeah i related to ios 12 uh moving on to like another point i cannot wait for um app limits to save me from myself and i know you're a more responsible person than i am in this regard but a lot of times much in the same way that i on occasion will still block um social media at the network level using the little snitch on OS 10 like sometimes like you just kind of just by default like you're like I I I've fallen off task and I'm looking for something to do and you will just instinctively open Instagram on your phone if I can get some system level help with that to untrain that habit in the same way that I've for the most part excised Twitter from my life I think that's that's a pretty great feature I I think it's a little bit like putting a bandaid over a broken bone, but I mean, I guess I guess it's a step in the right direction. If I'm being charitable, those of us with broken bones need the help. <laughs> All right, uh, rounding this out, what else was exciting to you? Uh, well, of course, podcasts in WatchOS five. Um, my excitement's been a little tempered in the last couple of days, where. I guess it's come out that third-party podcast apps are not going to be able to stream episodes and that they're going to be required to be downloaded, which, you know, as has been well documented on this show, the downloading process to the Apple Watch is (laughs) just not very good um, and can be very slow and unreliable. Um, and the, the the built-in podcast app is going to have the ability to stream episodes, and it's going to have exactly what you want, where your episode progress will be synced across all your devices uh, in real time, which you can really, obviously really only do with streaming. So I, I think there's going to be a very real possibility, and I think you've even posed this question to me in the past, that 
if this type of support came to Apple Watch, but it was only available through the Apple Podcast app, would you switch to that? And I mean, honestly, like I, I think that's, you know, come September, that's going to be the position I'm in. But we'll see. We'll, we'll see what uh, Marco and others come up with. Yeah, and I, I think you'll put a link to the 9 to 5 Mac article, which had a couple of things from the Pocket Cast developers of kind of them uh, poking around to try to figure out what the full extent of the features were. Right. Um, so yeah, so that, that I'm really excited about, um, kind of what, what else, what else was I, what it really caught my attention? I mean, the, the series shortcut thing was definitely the big thing. Um, you know, I, I think it, 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 the, the event largely went as I think expected. It was a very sort of iterative year, which again, I personally don't think is a bad thing. And it actually seems like people took to that better than I thought they would this year. Um, but um, but yeah, no, I, th- I think, I think we hit the big things. Uh, only other straight points I will bring up, uh, <laughs> odd crossovers that, uh, Phil's was featured, uh, uh, prominently in the keynote yet. Unfortunately, um, I forget the name of, of the, uh, product manager that was doing the demo. Uh, she ordered a mint mojito, which is literally the worst thing you can Ugh. get Phil's. Yeah, no, no, no. But it's like literally every morning since the keynote, like on the days that I do choose to get coffee at Phil's instead of Equator, I will be like, man, a Siri shortcut could be ordering this uh, mm-hmm. ginger snap for me. And, and I'm I'm here like a sucker <laughs> putting my fingerprint down to, to do um, Apple Pay to get my ginger snap. Mm-hmm. Um, additional privacy features are great. Um, uh, Mac OS, since, since we still use real computers, because we, we're, not, we're not what's a computer people, uh, dark mode. Do you think this is something that you're going to use, or is this not a feature that really um, moves the needle for you? I definitely think this is something I'll use, yeah. I mean, with individual apps now, like uh, Fantastical, TweetBot, any app that offers a dark mode, I use it. All we're waiting for is OLED Max. Mm-hmm. Hey, what if maybe the, maybe they're holding up the, the keyboard redesign just because they have this OLED MacBook Pro in the offing? <laughs> maybe that's the alt that's the alternate reality i'll hope for mm-hmm. okay uh i think that's literally it we will table everything else because it's the longest show ever mm-hmm. 10 minutes of technology 50 minutes of tacos and then chef bezos so i i'm rebranding this real quick uh chef's corner okay i like that because i don't want this necessarily to be a hey here's a thing you need to go buy or do or something this can also be a space where maybe something gets moved off the menu because it is uh, it is it is dead to you, as Bitmoji showed, or it's maybe just something that you aren't into anymore. Yeah, I like I like that. Okay, um, so what do you what do you have? Even though I didn't give you the new rules yet, so you're probably- <laughs> well, so these, this is going to be something under the old rules. Yep. Um, we've alluded to this a couple of times, but I feel like I'm now in a position where I can actually make this a recommendation. Um, and this is the uh, August Smart Lock. Mm. So I've had this set up for a few weeks now. It's re- it's really great with some caveats. Um, so where to start with this thing? So I, I I think it's really great set up the way that we've got it set up. Um, so you know there's there's lots of different options with this thing. You can set it up to basically only unlock and lock when you tell it to. So basically, almost have it just work like a regular lock. In fact. 
you can actually even unlock it from both sides of the door and lock it from both sides of the door, even without using your phone. It doesn't prevent you from just using your keys. Um, although I have not used my key a single time since, since I've installed it, but you can, if you want to. And then all the way at the other end of the extreme, which is how we have it set up. And this is where there are, there are some caveats to kind of make this work right. Um, you can just have it unlock and lock completely automatically without you interacting with anything. And I've found that to be really, really reliable. Uh, with the auto unlock feature, it uses a variety of Wi-Fi uh, location services and Bluetooth to kind of all triangulate when you come home and then when you're ultimately close to the door to um, to auto unlock. And then it comes with this little uh, extra uh, sensor, which I think they call like door sense. Which can audit, which can tell you just you kind of install like on the side of your door frame, and then it it tells the lock when the door is closed. So then you can have the door auto lock as well. And so this is where there are some caveats. Like I I personally think that this the the smart lock is at its highest efficient use or best use when you have auto unlock and auto lock turned on. I feel like if you've got even one of those turned off, like we had just auto unlock turned on, but not auto lock turned on initially and having to remember to lock the door every time that you, you know, leave really does take a lot of the convenience away. But on the flip side, and this is where the biggest caveat is, is if, you know, you're coming in and out of the house, maybe taking out the trash or doing something like that, you know, if the door locks behind you and let's say you forgot your phone inside um, or you just don't have any other way to to trigger the lock to unlock, then that you know, that becomes kind of problematic. So one of the ways that we that we got around this is we also purchased. They have a little wireless keypad, um, which is handy for some other things too. Um, which I I won't necessarily get into here, but um, it, it becomes sort of like kind of a backup where if if the door does lock behind you and then you just kind of need to quickly come back in. You know, for me, I, I have my Apple Watch on constantly, so I can just unlock the door directly from that. But if the lady friend or anyone else needs to open the door who doesn't have their phone handy or whatever, they can fall back to the keypad. So I, I think the keypad is kind of a necessary piece to really have the um, the auto lock piece be kind of a viable option. Um, but like, man, when you, when you pair the keypad with the auto unlock and auto lock features all turned on, it's a really, really, uh, slick solution. Pretty cool. And what's the, what's the cost on it? If you couple it with the keypad thingy. So we, we got the, uh, there's a couple different versions. We got the August smart lock pro plus connect bundle. Um, because the, I think the pro looks a little sharper and then the connect, is what allows you to um, unlock and lock and check the status remotely, um, which I think is is really handy. Um, that was on sale on Amazon a couple of weeks ago. I want to say for like two twenty nine, maybe. Um, and then the keypad was an additional seventy nine. So if, if you're you're about three hundred dollars uh, all in. Um. And I, I forgot to mention actually another key reason why this is my chef's corner pick. Um, and I actually thought about kind of like making this kind of its own pick, but then just decided to wait until I wanted to talk about the rest of the lock. But, you know, as someone who's been installing and setting up lots of different things in the new house, 
something that I become really sensitive to are shitty directions. <laughs> and the August is awesome. There's there's no mm. there's no printed directions, and instead what they do is they just tell you to download the iOS app, and then when you do that, there's a step by step instruction little you know almost mini app inside that has videos, detailed descriptions, pictures. It's awesome. It's so well done. Um, it, I, it just makes me wish that like every gadget and every, you know, thing I'm like putting together or whatever in the house came with instructions like that instead of some black and white, you know, book that's just impossible to follow. Hmm. All right. Pro plus connect. Yeah. So it's, it's a name that rolls right off the tongue. Um, yeah. But yeah, it's actually, it's kind of interesting too. Like I, I'm sad I didn't realize this, but like we, we could have totally had this in our apartment too, because it just, it just hooks into your existing deadbolt, doesn't change your key or anything. So Wait, like well, it, what? Whoa, 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 whoa. Yeah. So you, so you could totally get this. So you, you August. do. Oh, okay. I'm in. I'm, so you have, you have to have the right door hardware. So you have to have a separate deadbolt from your door handle for this to work. I do. But assuming you I do. do I mean, your, your, your landlord still has access to the door. Like the, the outside of your door doesn't change at all. So, so anyone with your key can still operate the door just like they always do. Um, and then again, the door also, you just, you know, it's like a little circle that you'll see that part just twists. If you want to lock the door manually from the inside, like it, the door works exactly like it used to, but you just have this level of automation on top of it. Oh, why'd you have to go do this? Yeah. I mean, I, Gosh, dang it. I could have sworn that I looked into one of these like when we first moved into the apartment. And at the time, for some reason, I thought I couldn't do it, but it was just because a... here's the thing when I go for I'll go out for a run or something, a lot of times, like that, like I, I will still carry my phone with me, but I don't want it's always a thing where, like, I don't want to carry a second set of keys. I just I don't want to carry keys with me. Right. Well, and then, so that the, the thing with me, is, so the, the wire cutters pick actually isn't the August lock. It's, it's another like slog lock or something. Mm -hmm. Um, but the key with the August lock, and I guess the, the keypad sort of takes away some of the necessity around this, but the August lock is like one of the only smart locks that works with the Apple watch. Mm -hmm. So like for me, when I go on runs, I, I don't bring my phone with me. So then to be able to both lock the door and, um, I guess actually even with the keypad, I don't think with the keypad, I'd be able to lock the door. So I think, I guess I actually do, do still need my Apple watch, even with the keypad. Um, being able to do all that from the watch is, is awesome. Yeah. I'm, I'm rapidly approaching. So once I get the model three, I will not have to carry any keys with me regularly, hmm. which will be kind of interesting. And I'm sorry. How does the uh keypad because i'm looking on the website how does the keypad affix to the door oh uh, so what's cool about the keypad is you can put it anywhere because it's just it's just battery operated and it's wireless um so it's cool because we have it kind of tucked away in a corner um that you know doesn't have any electricity or anything it's just just it's just screwed into the um stucco in the wall mm. and it just communicates wirelessly with the um the lock and again because we, we don't really don't use the keypad very often it's it's kind of just it's just a fail safe and it's useful like when you want to give someone else access to the home but it, it again it's just kind of tucked off in the corner where you would really wouldn't even notice it most of the time 
this is a very problematic pick. I, I appreciate this. Yeah, Thank no, it's it's and it, it you know a lot of people have dinged August for reliability in the past, and maybe that's been true. But so, so far in the few weeks we've had it, it's it's been been pretty solid. Like I don't think I've had the auto unlock or the auto lock you know fail once. I've had I've had I've had, I've had a little bit of trouble sometimes with the Apple Watch connecting, but uh, well, wait. So so what what are the what are the knocks against it? Um. Well, I, I just I think like again f- to to really make the auto, especially the auto lock part of your workflow. Like I, I do think the keypad's kind of a necessity, un- unless you truly do have your Apple Watch on all the time. Then I guess you could get away with not having it. Um, and I do think that if you don't have auto unlock and auto lock turned on, it it just becomes a lot less useful. So I think I think it's it, if you have this very specific setup that we have, which again requires like an extra seventy bucks of hardware, um, then I think it works great. So if you're willing to make that investment, then but again for you, I mean you're you're always wearing your Apple Watch, so I mean you could you could probably get away with that without not having the keypad necessarily. Well, the keypad seems like the most interesting part, which is like a lot of times like I, I've got like three tote bags of groceries from Target that I'm trying to, and I don't want to fish the keys out of my pocket. That's that seems amazing. No, 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 no. That that's that's where the auto unlock comes in. You would. You, I'm not sure. I'm not sure I would turn that on. That would make me too nervous. Oh well. Okay. Well, so, so this is what I'm saying though. If, if it, to me, if you don't have both the auto unlock and auto lock turned on, it becomes a lot less interesting. I think it's interesting of not having to use keys. Yeah. I mean, sure. Yeah. Well, cool. And do, uh, this could be a future pick, but have you have you installed any smart? doorbell right do you have a ring or any of that stuff yet uh no but that's that's on the list it's on the list yeah okay. it's, on, it's on the birthday wish list <laughs> no no I, th- I think i think i've got the support on that one. Oh, okay so that, that could be a father's day gift or you know what i mean that could be a generic holiday gift right maybe a fourth of july thing okay uh to round this out uh something that's going off the menu temporarily uh my synology is dying oh no yeah. So, and this this brings up a different topic that we won't talk about now, but we'll maybe table it for next week about product recalls. Uh, apparently, there's a known issue. So I have the Synology DS1815 Plus, which is the 8-bay uh, version of the... Like, I think I sold you my 4-bay version. You did. And your version does not have this problem. Good. <laughs> <laughs> so apparently, the Intel Atom processor or whatever is on the inside of this thing um after like 18 to 24 months it just dies and it it just um whenever it gets warm or something happens it just shuts off which is really upsetting because i have it plugged into a ups because generally for something that's handling massive amounts of data especially in a raid array where your data is spread across multiple drives uh, loss of power is less than ideal so it just now shuts off randomly all the time and that's really disappointing the slight plus to this is that uh, Synology for their higher-end NAS hardware uh, has a three-year warranty on it. But um, the way their, war- their warranty works is, one, they haven't issued a recall or anything. So even though almost every one of these products is going to die after about the two-year mark, uh, I had no notice about this. And I just started getting emails because whenever anything goes wrong with your Synology, uh, you get an email from yourself. Uh, signed sincerely Synology <laughs> that tells you what's wrong with it. And I was just getting 10 emails a day saying, oh yeah, your 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 NAS just experienced uh, an unexpected loss of power. 
So I, I filed a, a warranty claim. And uh, unless you want to send off your Synology for two to four weeks to get them to repair it, you have to give them $800 to, um, in case you don't send back the one that they send to you. And I am still waiting for them to uh, ship me out one. So it's a great experience overall. Hmm. Yeah. I don't really know what else is out there. Like, I know it's not necessarily their fault, but it feels like when you have something that is, you kind of know the failure rate is going to be high. Like, kind of when, like, a car gets recalled, I know things are very different with automobile safety. It feels like they should probably let people know, but I, I don't know. Hmm. Well, sorry to hear that. It's okay. All my data is fine, and it's uh, all the critical stuff is backed up to Black Bay's, uh, Black Back Blaze. <laughs> And a shout out to uh, B2 Storage, which will store all of your data for a half cent a uh, gigabyte. So they charge me $23 a month to back up four and a half terabytes of data. So thank you, B2, in case this uh, Synology just completely shits the bed. <laughs> because I because I just leave it powered off half of the day because I don't want um, a decade worth of uh, raw photo files to uh, just... Uh, be corrupted no so that's cool so always refining the menu no i think that's a that's a tagline we can run with <laughs>